What up, everybody? This episode of the Smoking Tire Podcast is brought to you by HelloFresh. Listen, I love cooking, and I didn't want to feel like I wasn't a chef by using a uh, food pre-portioned delivery service. I didn't want to feel like I was eating diet food or like reheating leftovers every night. That's why HelloFresh is awesome because I was the type of person that goes to the grocery store to buy ingredients like on the way home from work every day, right? But what happens is you're tired and you get stuck in a rut. You just make the same like five things over and over because you know what to do. You're not getting adventurous at that point because it's just not worth the like the side effort it's not the effort in your kitchen. It's like the side effort of like, how do I even know what I'm going to want to make? How do I know what I'm going to buy? What if there's a bunch of waste? What if there's all this extra? Who's going to eat all this? With HelloFresh, they cut stressful meal planning and grocery store trips so you can enjoy cooking and get dinner on the table in 30 minutes or less. So like, if you like to cook... They pre-portion the ingredients so you know what you're going to make and you know you have exactly the right amount. They have really easy-to-read, clear, legible recipes. And they really do take about 30 minutes or less. So you can get home from work, open the HelloFresh bag, and have dinner on the table in about a half hour for you and your family. And you come off like a genius. The recipes are delicious. They're healthy. They're fresh ingredients. Everything from vegetarian meals to craft burgers, extra special gourmet options. There's something for everyone to enjoy with all the recipes designed and tested by professional chefs and nutritional experts to ensure deliciousness and simplicity. They've got over 25 recipes each week, right? So you can choose what you want. There's always going to be enough recipes on the list that you can get a whole week or whatever out of those choices. HelloFresh's ingredients are sourced directly from growers and delivered from the farm to your front door in under a week, contact-free, of course. And over four of five HelloFresh customers say that HelloFresh helps them lead a healthier lifestyle with delicious, low-calorie, carb-smart, and vegetarian options available each week. Helps with portion control, too. You know, you get the right amount of stuff, and it doesn't, like, if you, you know, you eat big meals like me, like, I eat, I eat. A, a very small breakfast, kind of a medium lunch, and then like a big dinner. But I that's probably not like good. <laughs> so HelloFresh, when you're making it, you're like, is this going to be enough food? But then when you actually get it in the plate, you're like, actually, that really was the right amount of food. I, I really enjoyed my time eating and cooking uh, HelloFresh food. Uh, I liked their their Asian meatballs a lot. Uh, they had a pasta I was really into. Uh, they did a salmon that I was re- I really like. And uh, like I said, if you like to cook at home, but you find the other things that go with cooking to be annoying, like deciding what to make and then shopping for those ingredients, having extra leftovers, then you want to be at HelloFresh right now. Go to HelloFresh.com slash smoking tire 12 the word smoking tire and then the number 12 hellofresh.com slash smoking tire 12 and then use code smoking tire 12 for 12 free meals including free shipping right smoking tire 12 at hellofresh.com slash smoking tire 12 for 12 free meals including free shipping All right. That's why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. And we are also brought to you by the kind folks at Tradecraft Farms. I love these 
guys. They are the best. I'm working with them to develop a new smoking tire branded product with them. It's going to be extremely delightful. But whether it's flour, whether it's concentrates, whether it's edibles or vapables, Tradecraft has got it. If you're in California, Go to your local dispensary and ask if they carry it. Or if you're in Southern California, hit up one of their dispensaries uh, at their name brand retail locations or just give them a follow on the gram. Really, really interesting products, really great packaging made by people that really care if they're doing a good job. They give a shit. And by the way, the herb is fire. Tradecraft underscore farms on Instagram. All right, on this episode of the podcast, my old pal Kristen Lee is uh, calling in from her very well-lit and well-decorated apartment in New York City. Kristen has written for Jalopnik. Uh, She was just with Business Insider doing new car reviews for a while, and she just got a sweet new gig over at The Drive, where she is in charge of all new car test drives. That's right. She has the literal keys to the kingdom over there. It's a pretty G gig. And she's one of the very few people who I will actually share a car with on a press drive. Why I won't is with some people is pretty freaking obvious. <laughs> she is nice, nice, safe, good driver. Uh, we love her here, and we're happy to talk to her after too long of an absence from the drive. It's Kristen Lee on the Smoking Tire Podcast. Uh, Kristen Lee is not in the house. Kristen Lee is in her house in New York. Hello, love. Hello. Hello. So good to see you guys. So good to see friends. Honestly, until 30 minutes ago, I thought you were going to be in this room. And I said, as I said to Zach, I'm so sorry if you showered on my behalf. You didn't need to do that. <sighs> no, my wife's been forcing me to shower. It's bullshit. <laughs> it's a fall of the patriarchy, man. <laughs> you know what happens? If I don't shower for literally like three hours too long, <laughs> like if I wait three or four hours past the normal showering time, I get a very itchy face. My face is the canary in the showering coal mine. That's not where I thought where that sentence was going to go, but that's good to know. (laughs) You know me well, Kristen. (laughs) Kristen is one of five or six people who I whose face I relish seeing on every press launch and not being on press launches in the last year and change uh, means I haven't gotten to see fucking Kristen. It blows. Oh my god, I miss I miss like just fucking around with you. It's, I haven't. Yeah, I don't think I've seen you reasons. since McLaren Spider. Right? Was that literally the last time I saw you? That was last time. Yeah, that was a good <laughs> trip. That was a long time ago. Yeah, we learned that you can go what seventy two, I think was the number, and stay dry. Eighty seven. Eighty seven was the number. I think it was 87. I remember because I quoted you in the story that I wrote about it. I was like, oh, here he is doing the technical testing. I'll just take that. That was for science. That's what we had to do. And actually, that really, that one statistic was both, was an opener and a good a good kicker in, in my story. I'm glad we had that. The whole, yeah, it your really video wrapped was up good. the whole thing. Yay! Your video was good. Your passenger was fucking awesome. So she hot, ruled. so knowledgeable. <laughs> <laughs> she ruled. Um, how's the drive? Your new gig? Drive is great. I am uh, a week and three days in, so I'm still like building out uh, the architecture. But basically, I'm there to spearhead 
cars and features. So I'm just doing that stuff. And like also, you know, the weirdo stuff in between. So I wrote about the Nevers, which is a terrible show, but good cars. But basically what I'm going to do is we're helping, uh, I'm helping them like relaunch, revamp the reviews formats. So I'm like writing new templates, like doing best practices. And uh, for you guys reading the site, you can expect, um, you know, good writing. I'm going to put a stress in like good original photography and uh, readers forward, readers first. Because I think a lot of like car reviews these days, it's like, who who, who is this being written for? I feel, I feel like the you know, the auto journalist is being a little masturbatory and like no one actually wants to read that. So we're putting the reader at the front and center of the way we write our reviews. Listen, I'm insulted by that. I'm extremely masturbatory in my writings. I'm not just a little bit oh, God. masturbatory. And you're on video a lot. And I just am fucking wordy. I just waste words. <laughs> I mean, it's a good thing that like internet ink is cheap. So I know, you're not right? Really hurting anyone there? I know. That's hard to write. It's hard to write for the book, right? They go, you got, you got eighteen hundred and forty-two words, and not yeah. a single one yeah. over. Yeah, that's frustrating. Yeah, I've, I am. Um, I had my first, first, first book piece published this year in the Motoring Journal. Like, I've been doing this for eight years. I've never like written or had anything appear in print before. That and it was the same thing. It's like unfair three hundred. Sorry, I mean, I was. Born on the internet, forged by it, so. It's yeah, fun. but like, doesn't it kind of feel strangely good? There's like permanence in it. It does. Um, I gave it to my dad because of a story about him. Um, so I, I just gave the issue to him. I was like, look, she yeah, did it. That's exactly what I do. <laughs> when I get <laughs> my shit in print, nobody cares, but I'm like, see, dad, uh, my job is real. <laughs> this is a real thing. <laughs> Yes, Does he we watch have your this, videos? millennials get, only want to be in print to impress the boomers. Well, because our parents don't understand the internet. My mom's like, I told her I was on a show, and she's like, what do you mean? What show? Like, I've been doing this job for like five years. It's the same thing I've made every time. But if I say it's in a magazine, she's like, I understand what a magazine is. Yes. He'll, my, it'll be, because it won't just be here. It'll also be in my doctor's office. <laughs> I can talk to him Which is the closest we got to being doctors, which makes our parents happy. Yeah. Comes full circle. You know, I, I like especially got clout with them when I did Leno's show uh, last year. And they were like, you're on Jay Leno's show? I was like, oh, this one, you know who he is. Like, yep. you know, obviously, like, Leno's great and everything. But they told everyone. They told everyone. Yeah, we we have to cross over into old media. That's that is the that's the barrier for success. You know, and I used to like uh God for I used to do like uh what's it called? Uh, the the, the oh, Jesus, what's Gary Gastelou's show? It's on it's on like Fox Business. It's like a section of like the news. And so I was always whenever I was like doing a spot on cable news, they'd like gather around <laughs> like it was an <laughs> FDR fireside chat. <laughs> Here, look, Matt's on the TV. <laughs> tape it, tape it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where's the VCR at? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the drive is like in New York. Are you going into an office yet, or is it a full remote? So it's full remote still. Um, so like, if you've been following the drive, it used to be owned by Time Inc. and then it got sold to Meredith, and then uh, North Equity bought it. And there used to be an office in uh, Industry City in Brooklyn, as far as I know, and someone can correct me on this, that office is now gone and we are full remote. So 
No office right now. Something tell this, I this remember. All I remember about that office, office is Spinelli being like, "This office seems really expensive." Yeah, <laughs> it did seem really expensive. Did you ever visit? I went there once, and he was right. It did seem really expensive. There was an F one car parked yeah, in the garage yeah, in the front, not, and they were nuts. not. It was not there for free. Yeah. yeah. What it do you was, mean it wasn't? It was there for also free. like they rented it. Yes. It was, they, yes. It was Fuck also like super hard to get to. It was like an industry city, which is off of the highway, and like there's not really a close subway to it. I actually <laughs> and, don't know where industry city is in. Like I went there once. It was years ago, but like I actually don't even really know where that is. I have no idea. I'm South. from New York. Like South. I should probably fucking know that. South. Um, but you're like like you use the word like architect and framework. Like how awesome to like be able to like build something over there. Like oh my god, like, this is my like, shit. Someone thinks I should be in management and building things, and that is still like weirding me out. Yeah. Like, I don't think the imposter syndrome is ever going to fully wear off because I remember not that long ago, I was just like a fucking no one in college shooting out emails and not hearing back from editors being like, how do I start? I don't know where to start. And then now look, what the fuck? James you figured out where to start. Yeah. At the top. <laughs> Cold Ooh. as ice. No, I forgot. Did you just start writing like Kinja shit? Where actually no, did no. you even? Where did I come from? Um... Uh, I think the first time I like was online was the uh, like the car videos that like a bunch of friends and I did in college. It was called Hollywood Car Films. Are they still <laughs> and, up? Can we find them? No, on, on, no, you can't? can find it. You can find it. There are only two videos. Um, and like that, that was my first experience like doing car media. And I was like, oh, I wrote this. I posted it. It's fun. You know, like it's uh, you get to talk about a car, you get to drive a car and practice on camera and really flex your creative muscles. I was like, that's great. Were you Is literally doing car reviews or was Hollywood car films about something else? No, it was car reviews. Oh, cool. uh, it was so the first one was the V10 M5 because that was the car that we had access to. Yes. And the second one was the C63 Black Series. We we're like, we need like sexy cars. Oh, so, yeah. Like, we had to find sexy cars. Where Whose cars so were we those? The V10 M5 belonged to the guy I was dating at that time, so that was easy. Yes. Um, and <laughs> how did uh, just just to be stereotypical? How did he feel about you doing this with his car? Was he about it? Uh, he was the cameraman and the oh, okay. editor, so oh, okay. it was like a very very small team. It was like me and him and like our friend who drove Chase car, and then like a kid that he went to college with who was camera two. It was four of us, and we oh, like wow. made that video. Well, that's, I mean, that's like, that's pretty good. Four people, there's like assigned assigned jobs. This is like, you got a good car yeah. to work with. This is like, yeah, that's for, for being at the bottom, that's pretty good. It's pretty thought out. Yeah, you had a chase yeah, and car like, and shit. Yeah. I mean, like we, we had always like watched a lot of Top Gear. We're like, we think this is how they do it. It seems like there's a second car here. There's always a person. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or a well-trained some, This car. camera must be on something. It's <laughs> yeah. Did you see JF's? Uh, like... JF posted his his spreadsheet the other day. We've talked about it for years on Twitter. Back in the day, we were when we were starting to make Drive. He like watched all these. Uh, I think it was No Reservations, not Parts Unknown. Just all this Anthony Bourdain, yeah. and he did a fucking second by second like nerd analysis of like 
zero to four seconds uh, montage of Anthony making faces. Four seconds to eight seconds, Anthony walks along beach looking at ground, like and just like broke it down. And it was like an episode of No Reservations is exactly fourteen percent Anthony walking around looking forlorn. Eighteen <laughs> percent, you know, you know, flashy Hollywood montage. Twenty-two uh, percent him talking to us, and it was fucking really interesting. Wow, it's like only a true JF science. would do that shit. We that so nice. <laughs> we, uh, we watched Top Gear and counted the shots once when we were making TSC yeah. in the early days, and it was like the number got past a hundred. We're like, oh wow, there's a lot oh, of shots. Yeah, you and Tom did oh that, my right? God. You, you and Morningstar. I remember doing shots. that. Yeah, I remember doing that. Like, so this is 2012. So we were watching a lot of Top Gear. We were watching a lot of Chris Harris cars. So our aim was to be like, we want the Top Gear production quality. And we want like I like Chris how they were Harris watching knowledge. Chris Harris on cars, but not uh, tuned, which was also on the Drive Network. <laughs> yeah. You weren't watching tuned. It was like, Fucking. It was suck. like it was like such weirdo like car internet time where like we were still getting bootleg versions of Top Gear on Streetfire.net. You guys remember Streetfire? Mm-hmm. Oh sure. Fucking we dude Garage Four Nineteen. We were up all over Streetfire. So that's like <laughs> that's when you know we broke into the scene. I was in college at the time. So I was like, you know, let, let's let's try that. So we made our video, and then I liked the video, and uh, I I think I just was like, you know what, I'll make a WordPress. Fuck it, I'll just uh, make a blog. So I made a blog, and then I was posting on the blog pretty regularly, just like car stuff. And if I got my hands on a review, I would do a car review. And I was posting in the social media, and this girl that I'd gone to high school with was working at Dupont Registry at the time, and she was like, oh, we just started a uh, like car vertical would you like to contribute to it? And like, I was doing news blogs for them like three times a week for very bad pay, but it was a byline. Um, yeah. And then, and one that the I, boomers have heard of, <laughs> right? Like I was like, I don't know what DuPont registry is, but like my dad had heard of it. Oh <laughs> so dude, like, okay. really? I'd been getting, I've been subscribed to DuPont registry since fucking bro. Like 1989, like for, I've been subscribed to them for probably 20 plus years. Forever. I feel like I feel like you're an elder millennial. So like I am. I am. I'm December of 1981. So I'm I'm right on yeah. the line. You're right on it. Yeah. Yeah. And my wife so loves I'm to point out the ways in which I cross into <laughs> the ways in which <laughs> I cross into both Gen X and, and millennial because she does research. You're 92, so you're a younger millennial then, right? Yeah, almost at the end. What's the end of millennial? 96, I think. Okay. Uh. <laughs> so like it's like whenever I joke around with Zach, he'll like make a like some some reference about I don't know fucking Brady Bunch or whatever. I'm like I don't know what the fuck that is. That's hilarious. I don't make Brady Bunch references. For, like what when did that you last do? time that you happened? Like weird. I don't know. Like you make references. I'm like this is a very obscure. Mm, I, I am aware one. of that though. When I think of a joke to make, and I'm like, who am I talking to? Oh, this does sound a bit old. Oh shit. And yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't know what the new things are. Like Kristen, what's the oldest thing that you find funny? Like, there's That's certain the shit, once it gets too old, like, I don't really find it funny anymore. Like, I don't find, like, what sitcoms mean, like, from the 50s or 60s, like, that funny. Oh. You know what I mean? Oh, like, All in the Family or something and, like that? And Nino dated this girl that was, like, a child. I don't mean that. I do not mean that literally. She was, like, 19. Uh, in, <laughs> sorry. She was, like, 19, and he was, like, 24, I think. Uh, it was very, very legal. Bad. But she was too young to find... Seinfeld funny 
And I found that because she had never been in a world without cell phones. And cell phones solve every episode of Seinfeld, yeah. which is a show about miscommunication. Um, and so she didn't find it funny. And I thought I used to like pepper her with questions about like how old, like what what the thing was, where the cutoff was. What's your cutoff, Kristen? My cutoff? Let's see. What did I watch growing up that like doesn't? I, I can, how can it be movies? Sure. I think like '90s rom-coms are not doing it for me, okay. and it's because of like it's not because of, like oh there's no cell phones. It's just like they're they're so like shitty and stereotypical, and everyone's kind of a dick. Like if you watch rom-coms now, like people are kind of redeemable. Like they're just confused or something. Like watching um, my best friend's wedding with Julia Roberts. Oh yeah, she's and, like, a sociopath. She's a fucking sociopath. Like she, she missed the boat on on dating her her best friend, who's a dude, and he's getting married because you know he's living his life. And then like she she goes back to attend this wedding because they invite her because they like her to, and she goes back with the express intent to fuck up this wedding. I was like, this is psychotic. And she's the protagonist Terrible. in that film. Yes. <laughs> That's a really good yeah, point. Yeah, there's a lot of misguided rooting <laughs> back in the 80s and so 90s. Bad. Oh, it's so funny. I've been doing like uh, radio with my friend Christian Hand on Instagram where he does uh, music breakdowns, you know, where you listen to like the individual parts of the songs from the studio recording. It's really fun. And you go back and listen and like a lot of love songs from the 70s and 80s are extremely rapey. Like... The lyrics are literally like, I will follow you home. You'll never get away. It's like, what the fuck is this I guy think, doing? Uh, yeah. Sting had some songs yeah. like that. Yeah, like everybody. A super famous person. Very, every breath very, very you creepy. take is an extremely yes. creepy I'll stalker song. You. Yeah. yeah. And I don't Imagine I think, if you just say those sentences slowly. I think he's like being a, playing some kind of a character in that song. I, I don't really think he's singing as himself. But there's a lot of other like 80s hair metal that's literally like, I'm going to fuck children, said it all. Kings of Leon ways. has a song that lyrics like, she's only 17. Yeah, is, yeah. Warrant. Yeah. Uh, not Warrant. Uh, 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 was it Winger or Warrant? Which was the. Winger. Warrant was Cherry name. Pie. Winger was. The song was called 17. It's literally about banging 17-year-olds. Every breath you take. Every move <laughs> Yeah, you it make. gets weird. You go back, it standards have I'll changed. Be, I'm re-watching you. You know what's fucked up is, like, whenever it's in the news cycle, because it's always in the fucking news cycle, where, like, some, some like, grown dude is fucking 17-year-olds, and in the comments it's always like, oh, well, the age of consent in this state is this, and the age of consent in this state. I was like, if you fucking know what they are, <laughs> you're fucking problem. You can... <laughs> You can pull those facts. Like, yeah, that's like uh, that's like a, uh, you know, that's like your your broken tail light of <laughs> consent to to be creepy. You know what I mean? Like you're outwardly projecting that you have a real problem. Here. Yeah, you, you should just, know that offhand. Right. Yeah, it's like what what do you know offhand? We know like zero to sixty times like horsepower things offhand. <laughs> wow, you're a they... real savant of age of consents in different states, huh? <laughs> Well, I no, subscribe to a lot like of the magazines. Rock, rock <laughs> you know, I read the specs a lot. Yes, uh, barely legal. Mo- <laughs> you know, just been. I've been subscribed to that since I was real young. You know, reading a lot of the magazines. Um, they talk about wow. it a lot in Bible this study. This is something my dad and I did. So something my dad and I did growing up. Just want to continue the tradition. <laughs> oh my God! Um, have you driven anything fun recently, Kristen? 
Yeah. Um, so when I was at Business Insider, all I was doing was driving cars. So like the last car I drove was the Urus, which is a Urus. Um, best Audi ever, think- right? It's the best Audi ever. <laughs> it is. It's a pretty good Audi. It's a pretty good Audi. Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun, isn't Were it? You? I think like... You and I were almost on that trip together. You, I was leaving just as you were coming in, and I was like, "Fuck! I should have gone on wave three. Oh, Damn. the Palm Springs Urus launch. Yeah, that was a pretty good launch. Although I almost rolled one at the Thermal Club. I uh, screeched a little bit because I was like, "Oh fuck! There's a turn!" And then the thing is like six thousand pounds, so of course that's what's gonna happen. Well, you know how it's got that real funky um, detachable sway bar set up, right? So it's got mm. it's got to be a sports car, right? But it's also suspiciously has to be very good on driving on sand. <laughs> I wonder why that is. Uh, okay. Because in Dubai, they're mobbing these things in the dunes. That's exactly who that's for. I was like, there's there's like sand and snow and oh, like sand. Yeah. How's that different than dirt? Mm. No, it's all about Dubai with the sand mode. Yeah. And it worked. I liked the sand mode. Actually, <laughs> it was pretty good. Fatty's got stuck the in the sand actually, recently in his patrol. Sorry, that was obscure. Continue. The thing with the Urus is, like, you don't expect it to be a good car on the track. It's actually, like, really good on Super track. Good. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, very, it's a luxury, like, rally car. Yeah. <laughs> You can. You can smash uh, curbs. You can like. You can do the yeah. biggest cuts ever on the racetrack in an Urus. It's well, with, awesome. Like, the it's crazy that, rigidity like, the of fucking... the chassis. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 yeah. The chassis is like. There's almost no lean if you put it in uh, like the the hardest drive mode or whatever. There's like almost no lean. It's incredible. I think they just figured out. I mean, every every time a new car comes out, the chassis is like forty percent stiffer, forty percent stiffer, and then we just keep moving forward. So I'm sure the differences between a car nowadays and twenty years or thirty years ago was like hundreds of percent. And then you add, you know, crazy smart dampers and all of the hardware that's been invented and microprocessing, and it's like that whole cliche of we've engineered out physics is kind of is kind of true. You just the cars are so capable just because of the hardware. Yeah, it's also the- got like the biggest brakes ever almost <laughs> i think They're it is like, i think I it's just, the biggest brakes like ever on a production car it's like 17.3 inch uh yeah inch rotors which are bigger than the fucking wheels on my car yeah think about that my countach has 15 inch wheels <laughs> <laughs> it also i believe has a 10 piston caliper on that yes. 17 inch brake yes i mobbed an Urus with uh, with with one might even say with malice on a racetrack, and it shocked a lot of people. Not my not my driving, but what the car. You know, I I basically uh, on adventure drives. I wasn't really supposed to take the thing on track, but I rolled the dice. They rented a racetrack, and I I I was doing some some lead follow because the other people on this trip weren't really track drivers, and they had they had sports cars. And I had an Urus, I was like, whatever. But we realized very quickly that like the Urus is like outrunning like, pretty much nine out of ten of these cars. Yeah, and uh, Lamborghini and only, GTR. Uh, yeah. And only Manny in the SVJ was like keeping up. Uh, they're amazing, these things. They are. They're they a little are, I, um, I, characterless, you know, as crossovers uh, can be, but uh-huh. but they definitely fucking boogie, unquestionably. Are, are there a lot in LA? I'm hearing they're yes. like a dime a dozen in LA. They are okay. all over the place. And they're getting every color, too. I'm seeing the Big Bird. 
I'm straight seeing Aztec yellow. People are actually buying the Aztec yellow, and then they're doubling down on it. You know how many yellow? I see people who make them even yellower. <laughs> you fucking, do that? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Factory Big Bird is a starting point for this fucking vehicle because you could then go to like the like a RDB and go wide body and then you get a paint to match wheel and then they paint the fucking trim and they and it's like these things become just bananas driving down the street. It looks so silly, It's but they're everywhere. They're all over the place. None of them have plates you know on it. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Like all cars are gray or black, mm. you know, or whatever. Just like fuck it, whatever. It's like you know, it's a Lamborghini. It's a super SUV. Do it, man. Just yeah. Do it. I mean, I the, yeah, it's I have no problem with them being fun colors, but I'm just shocked at how much yellow they're selling. It's really a lot mm-hmm. of yellow. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you yeah. think they'd run out? Like someone at, at Lamborghini would be like, no more yellow. That's it. Man, they're making they're making a lot of them, and people are they're you know I think because they're not. Um, Lamborghinis always feel a little less precious than uh, the modern ones than other cars. I think it's why people are so comfortable tuning them, you know, putting wheels and body kits and fucking crazy wraps and whatever on them. Like, I think they people are a little more comfortable doing that with a Lamborghini than some other cars. Um, I think it's the crowd also. The people that buy yeah. Lamborghinis are more they're extroverted, they're louder than they like to stand out. And now, if because they started selling so many Giardos, it's like, how do you stand out? Yeah. Well, the engineering can withstand tuning and modifications and stuff and everything it, it got easier to put turbos on shit also in like the you know 2010 2011 yeah so i think it's just yeah. like opportunity and uh and the market wanted to do it yeah but the rs is great it, because it's like yeah. uh, you have uh it's like letting everyone know that you have a lamborghini but you don't you know so have to you can still fucking you know do maybe maybe things, you right? have like yeah. uh maybe you have like hip problems and you can't Fold yourself into yeah. like, the Aventador. So I mean, look, Hannah nice and I did 3,700 miles in an Urus in a week. You can't do that in a fucking. There was a guy on the trip that we were on in a Huracan. There was a rental Huracan, and it was a really nice, clean, new one. And after like two days, he was so jealous of us. So <laughs> jealous of us. The amount of times on these wrong road trips where there's a difference in performance between an Urus and a Huracan is like three in thousands of miles. And there's so much just... Yeah, chilling, cruising. Yeah, and he has yeah, no room exactly. inside that cabin for drinks and snacks and things or and stretching out or whatever. Yeah, it, it, yeah. it's so loud. It's right here. All of it just like, right here, just ah, yeah. right, right by your head, man. It's yeah. Like, turn it off. <laughs> it's very relaxing driving an RS. It is. It's very nice, it and you can chill. I mean, you can really chill at 110 miles an hour in one of those things, like no problem. In U- Utah, yeah. will be gone in six hours. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice way to get around. It's like, it's rem- and like I was driving it here in New York City, and like people were trying to race me in it. I was like, "Are you serious right now?" I mean, mine was red, so like you could see it from a mile away. It was like a barn on the highway. People just want to see it go. Like, they just want to watch. Oh, I think, boy, that, I think that's all I wanted to do. Driving the Ferrari Eight Twelve GTS the other day, and. Mr. Stereotypical shitbag Hellcat guy 
fucking fucking did the old roll up sit pull away break roll up sit pull away break. five he or six times in a row for 10 minutes <laughs> yeah. from when we got on, we we took 10 to the 405 and he, he stayed with us all the way over the hill to the next freeway interchange changing lanes accelerating dropping back just looking just hoping and we're just we'd like go. sitting there at 72 drink, sipping coffee at 6:30 in the morning and this guy's yeah. like I mean, this guy must have had fucking couple Roids Red Bulls. for breakfast. Yeah, six he wanted Red to go. Bulls. There was lots of cars around. <laughs> too early to street race, man. It's just too early to street race. <laughs> I never, I never like get into it with these guys. Someone, someone tried to race me on the Brooklyn Bridge once. I was in a in a Shelby GT350, and then like a motorcycle came up next to me and like did his like a little revy thing. I was like, mm-hmm. we're on the fucking bridge. Okay, like we're not. There's nowhere to go. There's potholes the size of like leatherback turtles on this bitch. Like I'm gonna blow one of these carbon rims sky high. I know, I know. Like because like the Brooklyn Bridge is on my regular commute. I know where all the potholes are on it, and then I notice when they fill in, and I know when new ones open up because that's what you gotta do here. (laughs) You know what's nice about all the new Porsches? That GPS nose lift shit. Have you mm-hmm. driven a new 992 uh, yeah. Porsche? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it remembers it's not that when fast, you, though. it remembers where you lift the nose. What, Genius. What's yeah, not that not, fast? The nose lift. The nose lifts. It's like so. In when when you know when it knows you're coming up to it, like it'll lift. But if there's like one that you just see because it's new, you're like, oh shit! Then it doesn't really catch that one. Oh, I don't know if they. Well, they're all none of them like spring upwards, which is kind of what you need if you're approaching a, a speed bump suddenly. You know, by the time you see it, if you're going 40 miles an hour, like you're on it. But if it if it like how early does it lift with the GPS? Like, I don't like so basically. I set. I tried it, right? And I you don't set do want to set it like last minute. You want to hit the GPS like if you can. You know, the second time you pass the thing, a couple of feet before. You know what I mean? Because presumably if you're setting a GPS memory, it's something you see a lot, right? Yeah. So the first time you might hit the button at the last minute, but the second time you go by, you wait like 30 feet further and then then you can do it and, uh, and it remembers it. It'd be cool if it could calculate the speed you're traveling based on you know where the bump is, and then it would plan when it needs to start raising itself. So if you're doing 20, you know it goes up in like 10 seconds before. If you're going 60, it starts raising the nose, you know, a full like half a mile before. Well, it won't do it. At least in most, I've never seen a it car that'll do it over 30. Yeah, I know, but yeah. it'd be nice. Yeah, that would. <laughs> and then I, I, I think I'm gonna rely. It. I'm going to rely on the one that lives in my head, which is the one that knows which businesses to avoid, which streets to avoid, which like detours to take, all because of potholes, because I'm crazy. And I was going to say, it sounded you... like you were talking about a racist algorithm in your head there for a second. Hmm, maybe, but this is pertaining to me saving it's, my own suspension it's, system. It's whole, holist. It's, you're, you're, you're really... Potholist. Potholist. <laughs> Uh, but at your new at your new job in in uh, I don't want to say middle high management, do you still get to drive things? Are you assigning? Are you are you like the guardian of all the drive assignments? But you get to take none yourself. Uh, I'm only the guardian of drive assignments in that I make the like chart that tracks what everyone is driving and when. So like I know when to hound them for a review. But no, I'm still driving a lot of stuff. Like I have six cars lined up. 
in starting later this month into May. So Yo, where do you keep one, press cars though? Living in the city. Uh, I pay to park them <laughs> in my building. Oh wow, <laughs> that's gotta add up. Yeah, you like it's it's kind of annoying because like for you, you're just like I'm gonna go out for a drive. And you just go out to your garage, you get in the car, and you go. For me, I have to like here's a claim ticket. I'm going to pay for it, and then they bring it around, and I go out and do my thing, and then I come back, give me a claim ticket, and I go back upstairs, so it's like it's all test, but I'm used to it. Dude, but if, you know, I know what I know what they pay to write stories. That can add up very, if you're actually paying a fucking valet New York City parking garage for these cars, that can, that can for a week, that can add up, right? That's why I love full-time positions, because they have T&E budgets. Ah, I see. There you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. The the benefits of working for fucking nine years and working your way up to a position where you have a budget for things like that. Yes. Yes. Well, and it's you... also like they they expect it. Like it's a New York City based company and we do cars like they expect all that stuff. It's already built in. Yeah. They don't have a giant building in Brooklyn to pay for. They can fucking pay yeah. for your valet parking. <laughs> true. When, when you go for drives, are, do you always leave the building and, you know, you're headed for the nearest curvy road or because that's so far, it's like Bear Mountain or whatever it is, not like an hour away. Do you feel, do you find you're getting a different experience testing cars than, you know, we live in California, so we usually go to the canyons, but you, do you spend most of the time driving car around the city and analyzing it from that mm-hmm. perspective? No, no, no. I have to leave the city. Um, just for like integrity of the review's sake, most people don't live in New York City. So if I just drove the car in New York City and told them what it was like to drive in New York City, the review is useless to like 95% of people reading oh, it. Oh, yeah. I didn't mean that's all you so do. I need to I take just, it out. You, know, you split it 50-50 and oh, know, talk yeah. about like the daily driver features versus like, how is it with, at the limit with understeer? The FDR drives oh, a good know. place to find the limit of understeer. Isn't that the, the highway FDR that you should drive is... a trophy truck on because yes. it's so bumpy and fucked? Yes. Yeah. The F- FDR drive is the best road to test your semi-autonomous functions on. It's like if, oh, if, if it can handle FDR, it can handle. If it can handle America. even a 200-yard section of the FDR, it's the best system on the fucking planet, probably. Yeah, that's how I evaluate like semi-autonomous tech is on the FDR drive. Like, can you see the lines? Because the lines just fucking disappear. Like, if someone just merges <laughs> in front of you, what do you do? Do you panic? Do you just keep driving? Like, what do you do? So it's like the crucible of semi-autonomous tech. That's a f- FDR drive is a very extremely it's like the double black diamond of <laughs> highways. It's fucking yeah. really gnarly. Visibility's horrible, potholes everywhere, very poor line marking, extremely aggressive drivers, very short entrance and exit ramps, mm-hmm. like 40 yards entrance ramps. Yeah. Yeah. Launch control, that's why it was invented. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean it's For a very FDR. very gnarly place to commute. Say what? When it's like when it's clear, uh, it's the most beautiful thing in the entire world. You can like just ruin the city in uh, I don't know maybe half an hour. But when it's like full of traffic, which it usually is, it's the worst because like oh, I don't know someone broke down in the middle lane and everyone has to go around and there's always people trying to sneak in. There's always people from West Virginia who don't know how to fucking drive and know how to zipper and no so it's shoulders. All kinds of stuff. Something breaks shoulders. down. There's no shoulders. Yep. Back in the day. I had this is my this is my commute just real real quick. I would get on the FDR drive at Houston because I lived in the Lower East Side. Get on the mm-hmm. FDR drive at Houston. I would go north on the FDR drive. The entire circumference of Manhattan, almost the north side, across the Harlem River Drive, over the George Washington Bridge to Gotham Dream Cars in New Jersey, and then I would do the reverse. Okay. 
in a Hummer H1. That was, that was my commuting vehicle for the FDR drive in morning rush hour. Were well, there a lot of trails old. on that commute? Um, you know what's is the fucked Rubicon up? I don't on know. That route? Is the, huh? Isn't the Rubicon on that commute? It's between, basically. Yeah. I mean, it, it's as close to off-roading as you could get on pavement, but you certainly don't need an H1. I was an idiot, in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> how, Kristen, here's where I uh, i don't know how much I paid in tolls. It was a lot, but we had a, um, here's asterisk, super white privilege. We had a, uh, like an easy pass family plan, and uh, it went to my parents, and I straight up never saw a bill. <laughs> Which I mean, actually use it while you can. It actually super fucked uh, my parents because there was there was a, uh, uh, a a New York there's a New York City tax, right? And they they tax you based on the days that you're in New York City, and it's a big tax. And my parents went to extraordinary lengths oh. to legally be in New York City no more than the amount of required days to pay the New York City tax, and it's documented. They went through very very great lengths but my easy pass was in new york city and it was a family easy pass and so they would have to prove every single day of every single year that that was me and not them and it would be virtually impossible to prove oh my god i remember when i first started yeah that would be quite a conversation taxes Yeah, when I first started paying taxes, I was looking at the form. I was like, what the fuck is a city tax? And they're like, oh, it's because you work in the city. I was like, but I live in New Jersey. They're like, yeah, that works. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's the only fucking city. It charges you for fucking work. No, like, there's an L.A. one, too. City is of that? L.A. business tax as well. Yep. I pay it for two businesses. Mm. 1% of gross receipts is your city of L.A. business tax. Damn, dude. Yep. But you know what? Sunshine's free. And I get paid to smoke weed, so the world evens itself out. Uh, us too. Now, as of as of like a few days ago. Oh yeah! Congratulations! Full fucking wreck. Welcome mm-hmm. to the civilized world. I know, right? Jesus Christ! About time. It's delightful. You know what the best thing is about recreational weed? Once you own it, it's legal, even if you've bought it illegally. The, <laughs> the transaction that happens might be illegal, but once you walk away from that person, you pretty much own it legally. That's capture the flag rules, where you yeah. run back to your base and you're like, now you can't tag me. Yeah. That's what that is. I am not endorsing that. I'm endorsing anywhere it's legal to buy Tradecraft Farms. I went to their retail outlet in Port Wainimi on uh, Monday. It's a fucking beautiful store. Is it's it? Really, yeah, it's a really nice store. It's really photos fun. on their Instagram. It's really nice. well designed. Yeah, it's a, a really job. beautiful store. Yeah. I was impressed. Uh, and I got a new batch of the sticky sauce pens. Mm. Is it, are the ones in California still like kind of weird? Because I remember going to one in Mass and they were like, All right, show your ID, cash only. Uh, there's only like four people in the store. I was like, well, there's... No, 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 no. They're not weird like that. I mean, and and uh, I don't know about COVID restrictions or anything. Like that. Generally, one of the ways you can tell if a weed store is going to be in it for the long haul or not is if they take credit cards. If they take credit cards, it means they pay their taxes. And if they pay their taxes, they're going to be there for a while. <laughs> if they only take cash, it means that they're also skimming their taxes, and it means they probably won't be there for very long. I don't know about the four people in the feeling? store thing, yeah. but- but uh, okay. no, the ones that I go to feel almost like 
you know, you don't. I don't want to say like the Apple Store. That's not quite it. But they feel like very high end retail establishments. This store must have cost millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If it if it yeah. looks shady, it is shady. <laughs> if it looks professional, it's going to be pretty professional usually. Yeah. So I'll tell you the story. I made some edibles over the summer. I like where this and, starts. And I took one. I almost died. <laughs> That's what it felt like. <laughs> I don't want you to know, like, I don't, I don't, like, use weed, like, almost ever. And I was like, you know, like, all my friends do it. I'm like, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try it one more time. I'm going to try it one more time. And, like, usually my tolerance is, like, five milligrams, right? Because that's, like, the, the little chocolate you can buy legally uh-huh. is, like, five. So I was like, okay. So I, like, you know, when you make an edible, you don't know how much is in it. You just, like, measure with your brain. And apparently this one had 40 in it. Oh, boy. <laughs> So your second track day, you got in a C7 Corvette with no track control. Oh, boy. Yeah, and I learned how to drive, like, the day before. Like, Yeah. So I was, like, lying on the couch, and it's not like being drunk, because, like, if I'm too drunk, I'll just fall asleep, and then it's over. So it's great. But I was lying on the couch. I was so awake. I was so aware of how slow time was passing. (laughs) So it was like, I I was just like, at this point, just shoot me in the head. This would be a relief to get off this ride that I can't get off of. Did you call your mom? No. That's how you know it's really gone bad. If you call your mom, it's fucking off the, it's off the rails. What is she gonna do? What is she gonna do? Yeah, but if you're there, it doesn't matter what she's gonna do. It's just like, it's just that are you in that I need to speak to my mom right now mood? I couldn't couldn't even like move to the bed. I was like lying on the couch horizontal and if I moved my head a little bit, like the whole room just kept going. I was like, no, no. Making your own edibles is an extremely risky thing to do. I mean, Mm -hmm. I have a story just like that from when I tried to make edibles in college. And, you know, whatever, the sugar cookies literally turned green from the amount of ganja (laughs) butter that I put in the sugar cookies. And this was on a ski trip. And it was, you know, you drive up to Vermont from from New York uh, on on a Friday, and you were going to ski Saturday, Sunday. Drive. We took these fucking edibles at like 5 p.m. when we got there on Friday. Nobody went skiing the whole weekend. <laughs> Not a person went to the mountain. The entire we we were fucked. And I, I mean, I don't. Who knows how many milligrams? I, but I killed everybody instantly. How do you ski when your legs don't have bones? <laughs> Nobody went skiing. <laughs> But, like, one of the great benefits of, like, retail marijuana products is the relatively strict measurement of your edibles. Yeah. That's your dosage a, that's is a good not thing. really going to get fucked with. Yeah. Right. Now, they and they figured this shit out. You know, you, you go to a reputable uh, brand for your for your edibles and you're getting gummies or chocolates or whatever. And, and that shit's that shit's pretty pretty oh, yeah. me- on point in terms of the measurements. If it wasn't consistent, I would have died years ago. Because <laughs> yeah. I needed to be very precise. I learned my lesson that weekend in Vermont. Fucking, I, I never, ever <laughs> forgot fucking how I felt to be completely fucked for multiple days having eaten a cookie. It's like making your own you gasoline. <laughs> You're like, I don't know how much was extracted from this. We don't know what we're doing. It's taken them how many years just to get it precise, and they're all professionals. They got there. labs. They have labs, <laughs> scientists, people that know botany and cooking and temperatures, and we're just in there like, I don't know, I boiled it for 10 minutes, yeah. but I was also gone for two, and I started the timer late. Uh-oh. Ounce tub of butter. Let's go. <laughs> 
Let me just like pour it into this thing. It's like that looks good. I made yeah, like again brownies. And they were nice brownies. They were like Ghirardelli mix. I was like, I'm gonna be fancy about this. Didn't matter. <laughs> yeah, you gotta go. With, you always go with the real Gosh. fancy mix with the cookies because it really it makes it feel like I'm gonna do some higher class drugs. Like people right? really yeah. appreciate <laughs> that I got a brand name mix for. But the bad thing is then if you get the right kind of stone and you get hungry, then you want to eat the delicious brownies you made. You have to right. make sure they don't taste too good. That's a problem. Oh, my God. I've I turned myself off of brownies now because now I look at it and I just associate it with that night. I, I can't. Can't anymore. <laughs> the uh, the pro- it used to be that ganja food really didn't taste very good, and now the problem is that it actually tastes too good. You know, I I like I like gummies. Gummies are great. You know, and they're making them fucking. They taste like Sour Patch Kids, yeah. straight yeah. up. And you just go, I'm only supposed to eat one of these. You go, let me get another package. It's a different color. Right. It's non, and I'll eat one of the THC one, like ten of the regulars. Yeah, but they taste better. I also take gummy vitamins. Uh, and the fucking ganja, the, the, a 10 milligram THC gummy tastes infinitely better than my oh, like, yeah. multivitamin yeah, the gummy. Don't have the money this behind is it. bullshit. Multivitamins, get your game together. No, you need a bag of blanks. You need to buy a bag of regular Sour Patch Kids. Oh, you know what they had at, um, at Tradecraft Farms? A bunch of the edibles brands have inactive samples. So you can take a, a little individually packaged one that has no no chemicals in it or anything, and so you go, this is what it's going to taste like. That's Genius. great. Give me a bag of those. Oh, that's so smart. <laughs> we're just buying candy. Right? Now so we're just smart. buying really expensive candy. That's what we've done. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't wait for, like, the Dylan's candy bar of ganja food. You know, like, you, like uh, uh, oh, Jesus. Kristen, give me another name for... Another one of our sunglass places. sponsor makes candy. No, no, no. The, where you go to, and there's just a, it's like a buffet oh, right. of candy, like yeah. the candy factory it's, it's thing like in the, the mall. It's like the, it's like fill your own by weight or something. Yeah, like yeah. That. yeah. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It's just like you know the person just kind of judges you when you drop that bag on the scale. It's Halloween for adults. <laughs> Three quarters of a pound, sir. Huh? All right. See, you're gonna have, see, you're gonna have an afternoon. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. You know what I really want is I really want like to be a fly on the wall of like all the cop forums in New York City now that like weed is legal. Oh man, I hope they're mad. I hope they're so mad. I can't wait to see what what they do with. Um, are they allowing lounges as well, like smoking lounges? Um. So. In my brief perusal of the new regulations, you can smoke on the street. Fuck um, yeah. Not, not in the parks. Um, but well, I think you can smoke seems... in your car. <laughs> that's, that's and exactly. anywhere <laughs> and anywhere where like smoking is allowed. I think. Uh-huh. I think. Don't quote me on that. But I think so, like technically you can yeah, smoke on a sidewalk, but fuck you if you go on this grass. Don't that's you dare sit under a tree and think them. about the world and smoke that weed. I swear to God. <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> That's Don't you enjoy that funny. sunshine? But good for, I mean, good for New York, though. You smoke outside in the cold yeah. on the corner. I mean, we're, they, they were we're, they were about to lose out to Jersey because Jersey like legalized it. So it's like, well, NJ Transit was about to be the biggest like drug running station. <laughs> That's actually really funny. I have a, I had a friend from New York who was a fucking Rico Suave. And uh, remember, you know, Jet Smarter? I think they might have gone out of business, but Jet Smarter was like one of those like Uber for private jets things. And he would go back oh and God. forth to New York. And uh, it was kind of dope. I mean, obviously, it was extremely dope because it's private jets. But they would fly to Westchester, which was pretty, pretty awesome. But um, when they first started, he was like one of their first kind of clients. And when they first started, there was basically like 
no security because it's private airports and private airports typically don't have any security. But they they realized very quickly what people were doing with a, you know, relatively affordable private jet service with no security is, you know, straight up duffel shuffle, transcon. Wow. Pounds and pounds. And so within about two months, they added their own security that was like substantially more than what regular airport security would be. Security guard with a a one with no batteries in it. (laughs) Whenever anything's private, it will be done better than anything like in the public sector. Yeah, they they had they made it real they made it real serious. I think they went out of business for a different thing. They might still be in business. I don't know, but they were they were in trouble. Hey, what if your six uh, what if your six upcoming whips is uh, is hot? What are you feeling right now? Like, uh, let me see. I'm taking out the new Karma GS6 in May, so that'll be cool. The what? The Karma GS6. Is that what the was the Karma yes. Rivero and formerly was the oh, Fisker gosh. Karma? You know, this is so bad. I'm doing it. Oh, wait, here, wait. Jack has a tomorrow. picture of it. Is this an, this is yeah, not was, an all new car. Uh, that's it's what got I'm trying to find Slightly out. different headlights. Are those Porsche headlights? It looks like Porsche headlights. It, I mean, it's this. It looks like the center section from the regular, the the old the Fisker one. Karma from what was it 2010? Yeah, right, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. This could be interesting. I've seen. Yeah. I've actually seen a couple of these around Los Angeles. So I don't really know a whole lot about them. Um, I'm doing an info section with a session with the guy tomorrow, so maybe I shouldn't talk about it in case I misrepresent it. Um, let's see what else is coming up. I'm totally blanking right now. Like, there's stuff I do want to drive. Like, I want to drive the last GT350R because, like, I think that's going to be, like, a future classic. I don't think they're ever going to make another car like that ever again. Like, ever, 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 ever again. Probably not. They spent a lot of money not only developing that engine, but then kind of dealing with it afterwards, too, because it was kind of fragile, right? Right because on the, right com- on the com- edge. Like of, yeah. Likes to shake itself to pieces. It's its whole thing. <laughs> I drove one good. recently. I mean, I got a. I. I. They said they had like the last press car in L.A. and I got it, and it was fucking cool. And I enjoyed it. But here, here, did you drive the five hundred yet? Yeah. I like the five hundred better. <laughs> the five hundred. Really. The five hundred is a nasty motherfucker. I actually wish they made. I think they should make both the GT and the five hundred with the Tremec and the manual. I'd like to try both I, with the other's that, gearbox. Mm, that'd be cool. That Tremec with the, with the sorry, the GT350 with the Tremec is like the best combination. That engine, uh, like the regular, I think, drag in the in the GTs. It's not a good gearbox. I think we talked about this last oh, time. Oh, the, the MT82, the Chinese gearbox, yeah. sucks. Yeah, yeah, and I don't care what anyone says not about good. it. It sucks. It's not good. Well, they had a bunch of recalls on that yeah, transmission that as well. Like it's yeah, it's yeah. factually bad and subjectively bad. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> and the new Mach One comes with that gearbox. The Mach exactly. One is basically the bullet engine with the Shelby gearbox. But it comes with a good yeah. gearbox. You're saying the good one. Oh, it okay. comes with the good one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it, yes. it's not the flat and plane engine. It's right, a cross right. plane engine. But it's got the yeah. But the the Tremec because the Coyote engine is great. Yeah. And super yeah. durable, so yeah. that sounds like a very good yeah. car. Yeah, the Coyote engine is wonderful. Uh, the only thing is, I think they got rid of the performance pack two and the GT, so it's just going to be like Mach one, and then no more Shelby's. I think it's yeah. the new hierarchy. They replaced the PP two with Mach one, right? Right. Two is, been PP two is fine. Well, it's yeah. fine, but it doesn't have a cool name. 
I, dude, I Me swear, too. the fucking spam calls are blowing up my phone right now. All day. Is something happening in the world that spam calls and texts are really just popping off today? They seem to change with the weather, honestly. I got two yesterday, but I hadn't had a couple for I My phone is rung like five, six times during this podcast of spam calls. Have you checked your car's <laughs> warranty? <laughs> there's they there's apparently federal charges against me oh, my yeah. bank has been broken into my social <laughs> security number is having problems and my car needs an extended warranty so somewhat related note six six months no a year ago i started getting mail from bmw saying hey airbag recall you know we know so many cars had their airbag recalled from takata right mm-hmm. So I finally, after many, many letters, go to the dealership and I have the airbag replaced, right? I have continued to get mail. <laughs> About every four days, my old address gets something. And they, they all are different shapes and they get clever where it looks like a summons. So you'll get like a blank, huge legal envelope that says like this has your, you know, requires urgent attention. Uh-huh. And you open it and inside is like the roundel and a thing that just says, your air, airbag recall, blah, 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 blah. Or you'll get a normal but letter are, that has these it. these are solicitations from some other businesses for no. shit? Or these are all, it's from, all from BMW? BMW. Wow. So I call the dealership and I they say, hey, really... I had this done <laughs> by you guys. Yeah. Is there any way to stop this mail from coming? And, and the woman at the service is very helpful. And she goes, um, oh, that's weird. I'm, yeah, I have the record here. You did have it done. Um, let me talk to the manager. Uh, one minute comes by, goes by. She comes back and she says, no. Um, there's no way to stop this. There's no way to notify BMW NA that this is happening. I'm like, really? So you checked a box, but no one got the memo. And uh, they just keep sending them out. And then two weeks after that phone call, I get a call from a weird number that I don't recognize. I answer it. And it's someone from somewhere in BMW that looked up that file and was able to mark down that I had had my airbag done. But it is not automatic. So she was just like, uh, there's no way to stop this. That's fucking crazy. There's a pile. A pile, dude. I had like 12 <laughs> pieces of mail of that's different so shapes, sizes, oh. and colors all giving me the same fucking message. Oh my God, that's so What funny. I'm hearing in this story is she maybe didn't know the answer and instead of saying, I don't know, she said no. No, she went like, and asked another person. Oh, she but went and she asked, so know. maybe that person she went, didn't know. She went and asked, maybe they didn't know, but uh, it. But two weeks went by until I had a random phone number call me and say <laughs> they could fix it. So maybe the dealership doesn't know as much as they should, but I thought it was very funny that it. you'd think that when they change the airbag, they they check a box in a computer, it sends a signal to BMW NA that says this car no longer needs all this yeah. solicitation, and yet no, it had to be done They would manually. call that a system. Right. It's a system. If only a we had. Computer system. Right. Computers are new. People are working out the bugs and figuring out what they can do. Maybe some kind of app can be yeah, developed. Like, yeah. So silly. <laughs> uh, speaking of random service, did you, I don't know, Kristen, did you see on Twitter that my first day with our new Mach-E was like a little rough? I saw that. Yeah, the, first of the, all, cool that you got one. Super cool. It's awesome. It's a yeah. fucking rad little thing. It's very cool. Um, and unsolicited Jim Farley tweeted at me like 12 hours later. So I was like, Ooh, <laughs> I guess somebody mm-hmm. told somebody something. <laughs> um, but, uh, and separately, that's how you people turn into cultists in Tesla, by the way, when Elon tweets at them, when they have a service issue, that's where they're like, <gasps> now I understand, I understand the feeling, the adrenaline feeling that happens when the CEO tweets at you. Is it all just like validation? I think it's all it is. It's just validation and being seen and. Yeah, shit like that because we all want validation. Some people maybe more than other people. Probably, I would have preferred a vehicle that uh, 
worked perfectly from the showroom floor, then I'd rather have that than validation. But validation is, I guess, a second good choice. Having said that, they worked it out. It's fi- it's been totally fine since. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I figured out. So, have you driven Mach E, Kristen? Not yet. It's on the list. It's really, really cool. I mean, it's fundamentally just a better-made Tesla, <laughs> really. <laughs> and, uh, the phone as a key system is interesting, and Hannah and I both set up our phones as keys at the same time, and you know, you've been to our house. Most of the places in our house, you are within phone as a key talking to the car range. So basically yeah. they were like bouncing back and forth Bluetooth signals and shit like that. And we figured we, we had to we disconnected everything from the car and we realized there's a thing you have to toggle that makes it choose a favorite phone. And so it would oh my pretty God. much always so that's and we wanted that. And so we just reset it and made it choose Hannah's phone as the favorite phone and my phone as like the alternate. And that stopped that stopped all the problems too. The Bluetooth bouncing problem. Like do that. It's like, oh, you have to choose between me and my boyfriend? Like <laughs> You have to know. make the car choose. I don't like yeah. that. Ooh, well, too early. Like she gets to know us first. I know. It's like I having know. a pet. You're like which one which one of us is the favorite? Yeah. Fortunately we have a regular key. So we just use the regular key, and it's cool. I'm preferring the regular do the key. Phone. I couldn't do the phone thing. Like, when I took out the Model 3, like, three years ago, they were like, oh, you can download the Tesla app. And I was like, yeah, but I have to, like, unlock the phone every single time, and, like, sometimes my hands are full. And You don't. Mm-hmm. With the Ford one, you don't. With the Ford one, it stays in your pocket, and you just walk up to the car, and it opens. And All right, you just I get have in a the question for you. You don't have to do anything on the phone. You can use the phone to like remote start from anywhere, but it, it you just walk up to the car. Potential scenario then, okay? So you're being carjacked. And in a traditional car, you're like, I don't have the keys on me. Like, tough luck. But in this one, you are the key. How Your interesting. phone is the key. Wait, what if they like in a traditional car? If someone carjacks you, your response is, "I don't have the keys on me. I'm sorry." Wait, I'm just <laughs> oh, yeah, no, you're like car? you're standing outside. You're standing outside. Like, give me your car keys. Like, I don't have the keys. I'm sorry. Like, okay, fine. But like, if I it's think your in phone, LA, they wait till you're in the car and the car's running, and that's when they carjack it. If Maybe it's, it's just different. Phone, East Coast, West Coast. I mean, Again, yeah, I, yeah. The point I'm trying to make is, if someone like kidnapped Matt and then brought him up next to his car and he had his phone <laughs> on him, they yeah. could get away. With him and the car. I, wow. The I mean, listen, I should out. really tweet at Jim Farley and solve that. Actually, no, but this, this kind of brings up an interesting thing, though. If if you if you're sitting in your car and you got carjacked and they said, give me your car and you get out and you have your phone in your pocket, they can drive away. Most they cars can. will let. But they might not think about that. And then later when they stop the car and turn it off and then try to move it somewhere else, they're fucked. Correct. And then I could find out where it is right. on my app that's like the Find My Car app. Yeah. Yes. That would be interesting. That is totally possible. Totally possible. Interesting. Also, Hannah at first was like, uh, I don't know about this. She likes boxy cars. The Maki is definitely not boxy. And she was like, I don't know about this egg-shaped crossover thing. I'm not really into it. I like my old box. And that's a... that. You can quote that. You can quote her on that. <laughs> but, uh, oh, leave it alone. But she got, on the first day, she got stopped by like six people on the street. Like, oh my God, is that the new Mustang or new Maki or whatever? And she came home and she was like, I think my car is very cool. 
And I was like, your car is very cool. And she was like, okay, I, I can fuck with this. <laughs> Validation. I love that. Yeah, she just wants to be in some, she wants a cool car. She likes having I love a cool that. car. Yeah. What was her, what was her first car? Her first car? Like, what was the one that it replaced? Well, you know, the Delica. Oh, I didn't realize that she was driving that around. Yeah, that's her, that's her car. It unfortunately was crashed into, which was a problem. Oh, and. Bad. Yeah, and the problem with a cheap Japanese car is that if you have to get parts globally uh, during a pandemic where shipping internationally is really a problem, um, your parts could be cheap, but getting those parts to Los Angeles could be very, very expensive. And unfortunately, but you can't overnight them in Japan, right? <laughs> turns yeah. out you could, but it would cost a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> So it would be cheaper if you just flew to Japan, picked up the parts, and came back. Bro, straight PJ. PJ all the way. Yes. If I could come back with a complete sliding door assembly in my checked luggage, I definitely would have. He's jet smart, whoever. He's them. Jet smart. You know, you'll sit next to the guy who's smuggling weed. We'll send a guns. We'll send a gopher. He's like, what are you getting? He's like, I'm getting a door for a van. He's like, oh, shit. What's in What's the door? What's in the door? Nothing, man. It's just a door. Why? What's what's in your bag? I want to get off the plane now. Um, oh, all right. Get in the super chat, people, if you're with us live. Oh, we got a few questions, and uh, we got, we'll close that down in about five minutes. Uh, um, what else is on your list, Kristen? We only got to karma. Oh yeah, the karma. Um, there is you're uh, on Pure Sport. Oh yes. Yeah. Super How exciting about is that, that. going to be? All right, I hope I know. you don't have to drive. You're not like just driving that in Manhattan, are you? No, no, no. They're going to start it in. Uh, they're going to start us out of um, Bugatti and Greenwich. Oh, cool. Yeah. Well, that'll be a nice Like drive. right in your hometown. Yeah, you'll be right up the road from my parents. Yeah, just come in. So like, hey, I know you're gone. We hang out. <laughs> Just do the like, control for their house. Um, there, uh, I hope you get to drive it with Jamie, uh, Jamie Morrow, who is there. It's the Bugatti chaperone who goes. He goes with the car. I believe. Yes, I believe that Jamie is part of the package deal. Yeah, he's very cool. He he has all kinds of interesting stories about the kind of people that buy Bugattis. Make sure he oh, tells man, them. Oh man, I can't it's wait! Really I can't wait! I love that shit. I love it. Yeah, so that that'll be that'll actually be my first Bugatti ever. I'm I saw one in the showroom once. I put my head in it, but that's about as close as it got to driving it. They're the fucking coolest, dude. They really are extremely cool. Make sure you like turn all the buttons and shit. When you turn all yeah. the buttons and and stuff, like all the vent buttons and all the all those little buttons, they feel like each button has its own like hydraulic mechanism that you're turning in the button, like. It's like lubricated perfectly for the exact most rewarding possible feedback right. while operating. Like really it. high quality piece of mm -hmm. machinery. Right you know, I really, I, I feel like that tactile feedback is like something that a lot of automakers overlook when they shouldn't. Uh, first of all, like you're spending most of your time in the driver's seat, right? So you're touching all that shit, and if something is cheap, it registers in your brain. I was like, oh, that didn't feel as great. Whereas when it's really nice, you notice it, and you're like, holy shit. Like you've driven McLarens, yep. Every all the switchgear in McLarens, like tight, like milled uh, aluminum, and like you can feel it in your fingers. They they click nicely against your if your fingernails, and yeah, as you said, like the lubricated perfectly. It's like you remember that stuff. And when a car is expensive and it feels really cheap on the inside, you remember that too. Well, the t if the touch points, if they feel substantial, like even if it's just the 
the spring in the you know window switch. Yeah. Or if it has that little notch, like it goes down and then down again. If it's the right weight, you're, I think my brain goes, this is probably a little more expensive because it's a little heavier. It's made with more material, and that's mm-hmm. kind of how we associate things. But like it's like we associate, and this happens with watches a lot, where. We associate the heavier thing with being luxur- luxurious. Um, you know, it's why uh, it's why a Bentley. It's like nobody gives a shit if a Bentley is five thousand pounds because mm-hmm. when you close the door, being heavy and shit and going like that's a virtue in that car. You know what I mean? Um, versus mm-hmm. like a McLaren, like a four GT, new four GT. It it's so light because there's so little sound deadening and all this carbon fiber that when you drive it, if there's a little bit of gravel on the road, it almost starts to feel cheap because you can hear. Mm. so much of the road and you go well this is unrefined it's almost it's almost cheap even though it's actually like very expensive and you see this with watches sometimes where um sometimes cheap watches will try to seem expensive by adding weights in in the case to make it feel heavier and more substantial. Beats headphones did that. Right, but it's not exactly the same as using higher quality right? <laughs> materials and in a certain like level of density and stuff like that. It doesn't feel right. You can always yeah. kind of tell. Someone it, took apart Beats headphones on Reddit and in them were just like metal plates. Yeah. Just stuck oh to my it. God, I and saw that's that why video. like they felt like really, really heavy and right. it did feel more expensive and then you realize why. I don't like titanium watches. To me, titanium watches don't feel, uh, they don't, they feel actually feel cheap compared to a really well made stainless steel watch. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, interesting. Kristen, what are you wearing today? I saw you wearing your Omega today. Yes, I'm wearing my my Seamaster, my Lady Seamaster today because I'm too lazy to wind the other one. That's all it comes down to. Oh, I was wondering when you got that Speedmaster, I was, you were like, wait a minute. So I wind this every day. And I was like, yes. That's like the conversation my dad had to have. He's having now. He's like, okay, you have to wind this. I'm like, what? Why? He's like, because it will stop running. I'm like, well, (laughs) I understand I sound very dumb right now, but I also want you to understand that I'm very lazy. And this one is perfect because I will just walk around with it and it's fine. It keeps great time. I love it. And the other one, it's like, that's when I like try to be fancy. And I'm like, okay, I have to show off. There's two kinds of people, people who find winding a watch to be a rewarding morning ritual and those that just are like, fuck that, <laughs> just not into yeah, it my dad, all. my dad is definitely the former. Um, I have many memories growing up of him. He would come home from work. He'd like to change out of his work clothes. He'd get his dinner. He'd eat dinner in front of the TV because we would all be done eating. And then when it was bedtime, he'd like finish brushing his teeth and then he'd take the last few minutes of the day kind of walking on the, in the hallways and like saying goodnight to us while winding his watch before he went to bed. Like that oh, was nice every memory. night. Is that's like a him very walking around uh, with, <laughs> nice memory. Jeremy Clarkson always talks about wearing a manually wound watch and liking it because uh, because he's old and he needs actually the things to do. <laughs> he's run out of things to do. And so he needs this, a hobby. This is a manually wound watch is for a retired person who has nothing to do in the morning. He's, it's actually very funny. I guess this is like for me. It's like I wake up in the morning. I have I, I like hit the ground running. I'm like, okay, this is all the things I have to do today. I have to make breakfast. I have to get get online and everything. And by the end of the day, I'm like, I'm so fucking tired. I can't remember to wind the watch. Yeah. So this one fits my lifestyle. It's fine. Um, I also don't like like the, the skinny, skinny bracelet style lady watches that are very small and like you can't see the face on it. Like I like the idea of wearing men's watches. Um, this is a ladies' watch, but it's like bigger. And I think there was like a nice piece in Hodinkee about it recently, where it's like 
it just make all the watches unisex. Yeah. You, you know, like there's a real movement, there's a, a real, uh, like, uh, uh, a social movement towards pretty much like eliminating the, the dainty, like pink diamonds, like tiny ladies watches yeah. and just like, cause women are buying men's shit. Vintage men's stuff is the perfect size for many ladies. Really? Yeah, because men used to rock like 36 millimeter, 34 millimeter all the time. That's like a perfect size for like a woman's to wear a sport watch. And so you, there's so much value in women wearing vintage men's watches because they're typically cheaper um, and they look fucking, they're the right size. Yeah. What is that, like a 37 this one, I, think on I, you? To, I think this is a 36. I think. Yeah, it's been a while. Pretty. I don't know. But it, like, yeah. I wear it slightly further back so it doesn't look as ridiculous as it's like up here. Um, I can't wear like what you wear though. You wear like these giant like forty two or whatever. I can't do that. That's the size. Well, I have of my an palm. eight inch wrist, Kristen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I have a big wrist. I like bare paw thing going yeah. on, so it looks fine on you. I've gotten away from a lot of the the huge oversized cases though. I sold my Panerai. I sold my giant IWC. I'm not really rocking the. F I used to rock a lot of like forty five millimeters, and now I'm really. It's like 42, 43 is my hard max. Everything is between 40 and 43. Yeah, I mean, it works for you. There's a bigger arm, bigger hand. Yeah, big it works. fat Fine. fucking Arab arms. My big fatty oh, well, watches. Oh, by the way, while on the record, I say you're looking very trim. I haven't seen you in a while. You're looking very trim since the last time I've seen oh, you. Thank so, you. Good. You're very kind. As are you with this beautiful angelic backlit glow. Can you tell I'm sitting on the floor? <laughs> Uh, no, but now that you mention it, I can. Yeah, I'm sitting on the <laughs> I just floor. I just a giant the, furniture. I was going to say. <laughs> this is the cleanest, like, part of my apartment. So, like, last night I was, like, trying to stage at places. I was like, okay, so where am I going to sit? Um, kitchen is filled with things because there's two people working from home. Boyfriend is working in that corner. I'm just going to sit in front of the TV. No, no, it's I good. You, it my, actually looks like, you look like you're in, like, an interior magazine. You look like you're in a decorating magazine right now. It's good. Good, I'm glad. This is all by design. The, the Witcher books there, they're nice. I can't read what they designed. are, but they're very organized. <laughs> yeah, that's what I did in quarantine is I, I organized. Cause Good. What else am I going to do? You used it well. I'm glad. I used it to organize and, and like get into exercising regularly. That's what I did. What's your What's your routine? Um, I jump around my apartment because I'm not going to go to my gym right now. Uh and wear a mask to work out fuck that so i do like 40 minute hit workouts every other day in the apartment then, yeah i just like push oh, all the furniture around i put it on the tv this like white woman is just like okay like we're gonna do this now i'm like yep we're gonna do that now and i've been doing that for a year <laughs> good for you that's awesome the the in the in the apartment workout that's a fucking tough one. At least Zach and I have the outdoors. Mm -hmm. You know, at least when the shit yeah. hit the fan, like bike path, beach, still uh, still options. Now they're yeah, like doing shit in tents on the roofs, like in parking lots and stuff. There's there's like a group that brings all their weights out to the beach near me. It's a company, and oh. they do like a full you know big plates and shit on out the gym, there. Yeah, moving stuff on, on the beach. beach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Intense. yeah. You got to be pretty committed. If you're dragging weight weight bench onto no the beach, you got to be real committed. My brother, because the gyms around us closed, my brother built a power rack in my parents' basement. Like he ordered the wood, he got the bench. He ordered. He first of all, he made uh, like weights out of cement because all his regular metal ones were on back order. So he like made them out of cement and he put them on his um, his bar. Like cement in like a there. five gallon bucket kind of thing. 
Yeah, like he got That's a awesome. mold and then he poured cement and made weights, like That's plate incredible. weights. That's some caveman I, I think stuff. I That's awesome. I showed I showed Zach this and um, after his weights game he sold them for profit for profit on Facebook Marketplace yeah local prison of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's awesome I like that that's fucking uh, ingenuity right there yeah he was just like I am not gonna get small through this <laughs> you're like big as a door dude we went back to Pilates starting a couple weeks ago and it's fucking I was really like there's a couple people that look like they've been doing it the whole time and I don't know what they've mm. been doing but they're black still market really, really good at the black mm. market Pilates. Pilates. Yeah. but man Pilates. It's, I forgot how hard that shit is and doing it with a mask on absolutely sucks my ass it's like a it's like doing it with a face sauna like doing holds oh, and yeah. lunges and planks with like a face sauna it's awful but still well now yeah. you're like one of those people that has the mask that restricts your breathing so you're like really training your cardio <laughs> yeah god so my boyfriend's like at home quarantine workout that he devised was he was wearing like a pack with like literally sand and rocks in it and he was climbing the stairs in our apartment so our oh, apartment wow. is like 26 26 stories so 40 minutes of like up and down, up and down, and up and down. I think he like worked in like maybe four uh, up to four down. Holy shit! That's bad. That's on fucking because, you know, so it, gnarly. Imagine walking a hundred flights of stairs with a fucking backpack on as your workout. I did that. That's uh, gnarly. When I was training for my backpacking trip last year, I filled my backpack with like books and water, and yeah. then I walked the um, I don't know where those stairs are at the there's the park the Culver, Culver City stairs. Yeah, yeah, all those things. Yeah, it's very hard. That's so gnarly. Did he was did were there other staircase uh gym rats no. during the it was pandemic. Just him. But just... like he did have to wear a mask in the staircase because, you know, like they're like everywhere that's not your apartment, yeah. you must wear a mask. So he like would come in the mask would be like trenched and I'm like, yo, that's a really admirable workout. I'm not gonna fucking do it. He's it's like, You sure you wanna you wanna climb stairs? You wanna climb stairs with me? I was like, I wanna fucking climb stairs with you. No. I hate climbing stairs. That's a fucking serious oh workout. God. Good for him. That's intense, yeah. man. That's God, we're, yeah. Zach, we're spoiled oh, by not having to live in, in big apartment buildings with elevators during pandemic life. Oh, yeah. That's fucking, that you, sucks balls. Being able to walk outside was very helpful. Because I remember, Kristen, <laughs> yeah. you were telling me, you were like, we're just, we, I've been in the apartment for a week. Like, I haven't got, you know, mm-hmm. get groceries delivered or whatever. And that was such a strange idea to me. Yeah, I know. It is. Like, I, because in the beginning, you remember, like, you, we didn't know how this shit spread. So I was like, is it, like, touch points or is it other people or whatever? So I was like, you know what? I'm just not going to go anywhere until we figure it out like i remember in the beginning i was wiping off my groceries because i was like maybe it lives on groceries i don't know and then we found out quickly that it wasn't yeah yeah the the alcohol swabs on the groceries fucking dude hannah's got a couple friends i swear to god that are like kind of still doing that like that that really went off the deep end like a year ago and they're still on that that level of behavior where they're where they're letting the mail sit on the fucking porch for a couple of days and stuff. They and prove that that's not a problem. I know. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I know. But people get, like, you know, traumatized or whatever and get stuck, you know? Yeah. For a while, my parents were, like, wiping off ta- their takeout boxes, like, yeah. when we got takeout. But, you know, now it's like they're like, uh, you know, transmission through touch is, like, super low. Like, it's, it's no, but other actually, people. We have a great innovation out here that I just saw started seeing for the first time. They put the takeout in this bag, and then there's like one of those like a not a vacuum sealer, but like a heat press that like like seals the bag. 
So, like, you know the bag hasn't been opened between restaurant and you. That's good, because you like, know... that's nice. Because delivery drivers were also eating lots of people's food. This <laughs> yeah. is a real thing, and yeah. I think that helps prevent that. Yeah, it's both. It was. I was like, ah, you've used the heat press technology. Us, us ex-smokers knew about that all the time, yeah. because we would seal our weed in our cellophanes. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome to the 21st century. Oh, my God. Did you ever smoke cigarettes? You did smoke cigarettes, Me? didn't you? Me? Yeah. Were you a cigarette smoker? Mm, I don't smoke anything. Oh, okay. I don't know why. So I, I, I remembered you as a cigarette smoker. Maybe just because maybe that's just a way, my way of saying that I thought you were cool. <laughs> I think it's because like you think I'm cooler than I am. Is what Probably. that indicates to me. I, I mean, that's so. fine. Keep thinking that. Keep thinking that. Like I think of you as like a prettier Asian Janine Garofalo of cars. That's where I'm. And she would Janine be. Janine Garofalo like the, is so cool. I know. Like, specifically, like, Romy and Michelle's high school reunion, Janine Garofalo. She, um, I saw her uh, do stand-up, like, just before lockdown at a comedy club in Brooklyn. Like, she came out, I was like, oh, shit, it's Janine Garofalo, it's awesome. Oh. How was her set? It was pretty good. Um, she's very much like, I am, like, not thirsty anymore, you all know who I am, I'm just gonna come up here and, like, say some shit to you. It was very much like that energy, and I was like, I aspire to that. I like yeah. it. Comfortable, comfortable in their yeah. own skin, nothing to prove. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Sometimes she always had that attitude. I feel like even on screen in movies, she was just like, "Oh, I'm here. Yeah, I'm doing this thing. I don't really care. Did I read the script today? Yeah, I did." But she like does a great job. Mm -hmm. Where's Crafty over there? Great. Yeah. See you guys later. <laughs> I'll be having a yep. cigarette. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, let's go to the people. We have a lot. We have a lot of things from the people. Oh, people. All right. Oh, Caleb dropping in. So we're doing um. This off-road trip, Kristen, SoCal Backcountry Discovery Route, and we have two mm -hmm. vehicles. One is a Ford F-150 FX4 with that generator thing, the power boost generator. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're trying to think of fun, fun electric toys that we can bring us on, bring on this off-road trip that we wouldn't normally be able to bring because we'll have a generator. And we know we're not trying to like go like big screen TV, you know, PlayStation kind of thing. We're thinking more like e mountain bikes or something like to that effect, right? But oh my god, my brain. Yeah, okay, what do you got? Keep going. No, no, what do you got? Uh, electric air pump. Bring a blow up pool with you. Make a pool in the desert. Oh, where's the water? Where will where I get the water? water? Shit. <laughs> 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 well, is there be? Is there going to be a river? Can you I don't know. I mean, there will probably be at least one river. It might take a while to fill a blow-up pool with a river. Okay, okay, okay. Scratch the pool. Tube. Inflatable tube. Go tubing on the river. That's good, yeah. Okay, well, yeah, okay. So just, a, I mean, a compressor. compressor a we compressor got. we're going to have. That's going to be built into to the vehicle. Um, but think be, think, uh, think of some things. Think bigger. Other thing, I mean, electric, like, high-performance mountain bikes is really what yeah, I'm thinking about. that's cool. But Caleb uh, Power from, tools. Let's build a treehouse. Pull that, pull that one back up. Um, uh, Caleb was dropping in from uh, off-highway uh, vans, uh, van rentals. I want to make sure I got that fucking company right. I wasn't prepared to give them a shout-out right now, and I'm sorry if I got the name wrong. It is called, yeah, off-highway vans. Excuse me, off-highway van. They build these dope uh, sprinter conversions, 4 by 4 uh, four by four. Uh, no, Caleb is not in the uh, title there. Off-highway vans. Um and it's offhighwayvan.com. So they're hooking us up with a sprinter 
camper that's got like you know a, a little kitchen in it it's got a generator it's got 30 gallons of water yeah this is the thing uh and it's you know off-road uh ready so hannah and i are going to be living in the van because mm -hmm. jews we do not tent camp We've, we'll van camp that's about it and so uh yeah caleb is hooking this up and he's going to come deliver us this van but look how sick this thing looks Wow. Some of these are really nice. I don't think wow. the Calamity Jane one with a shower, I don't think it is. I think we're doing the Sundance Kid on the top left. Uh, which I like is the like, Bandito. Yeah, they Bandito look, it looks nice. awesome. So this one's like a medium wheelbase sprinter, high roof. It's got a bash bar on it. It's got some nice off-road tires. Uh, the rollout uh, you know, tent uh, shade thing, onboard generator. Uh, power, you know, it's got all the good stuff. And so wow. they're hooking us up for the week and we're going to make some videos. Uh, we're going to do 600 miles off-road in the uh, the California, the SoCal backcountry discovery route. So it's going to be so like all, is, all cars go to heaven, but in nice vehicles, not shit boxes. So it's this sprinter and the, the truck, right? And the truck, yeah. Zach okay. and his uh, lovely girlfriend, they like tent camping. Mm-hmm. Um, Do they so, actually like tent camping, or are they just like, oh, this is what we got? No, I, I don't mind it. I grew up backpacking, but we're probably going to bring uh, this thing we have, Sarah owns, called the Cube, which is like one of these like quick, uh, quickly deployed bigger shelters. And It's I'm like between a tent it. and a yurt? Kind of, yeah. Is it spelled Q-U-B-E? Really? Really? Yeah. Q U B E. Wow, well, it's so it was on a Kickstarter, huh? I think it was before, <laughs> yeah. But uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Look at this. It's like a. It looks like a cube. Yeah. It goes and, up in like thirty seconds. Oh. It's all like spring loaded poles, and you can fit a queen size mattress in it oh, with sick. room. So I think we'll probably bring Cute. that. Have a little more space. Yeah, there you that. go. Yeah, I like and I'm that. stoked. So we're we're thinking about fun toys to bring with us uh, out in the uh, in the desert, and this trail will go from the southern. I mean, it does the whole southern part of California, but we don't, we don't have the time to do the full trail. So we're starting just at the southern part of the Mojave Desert, drive through there, through Death Valley, and then up in the eastern Sierras to the Alabama Hills off-road. It'll be fun. What if we that bring like our awesome. Forza simulator setup and we put that in the back of the truck and drive dirt stages while driving the truck, so then it's almost like a really cheap, you know, three-axis machine. That would be a fun... Someone with... We'd all throw up. <laughs> we definitely bit. all throw up. <laughs> we would. It'd be fun. It'd be a fun bit, but it'd be a headache for that 30-second bit, wouldn't it? Uh, let's go. And let's yeah, see. check out... If you're interested in the route, uh, the website is ridebdr.com. Ridebdr.com. And you can download... Uh, you can either buy paper maps or you can download um, GPS plot points to your uh, smartphone or, or tablet. Um, USRS Clark says, thoughts on BMW Z4M Coupe values starting to creep up, pondering selling mine and moving up to a 997. It's a weekend car, and I've never had a rear engine car or a Porsche. Kristen, Z4M, you into it? Uh, is it the bangle one? The bangle one, correct. Yeah. Oh no, I like that car. I like that car. Um, but like, are we trading a, a Roadster for a 911? Because that's like a whole different thing. It's like, are you prepared to have more practical than you expect? We said well, he was talking about the coupe, so oh, it's the hatchback one. So it has uh, approximately the same oh, practicality as a 911. Oh, never mind. Never mind. For some reason, I thought it was. A... Okay. Well, I think. Uh, 
I think that's a little more unique than the 9-11 personally. I feel like everyone is like, oh, I'm going to trade up to a 9-11. Like, what if this is the trade up? What if this is already cool? I don't know. I like different stuff. This is super different. And like, I feel like everyone talks about 997s all the time. I think you're right on these on these points. The Z4M Coupe is the last, uh, I believe it's the last fully naturally aspirated uh, BMW sports car. Yes. I also think it's the last BMW that you started with a key. It was Ooh, the very last BMW that started with a key. And uh, I've driven a bunch of these, and they are quite fun to drive. Yeah. They're very nice. They respond well to a really nice set of shocks. They respond well to a really nice set of wheels. Um, and they're a lot of fun. What was this? Oh, that was 2019, Zach. Bring a trailer. 23 grand? This is a straight, this is a, this is a straight six. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's the S54. It's the same as the E46 yeah. M3. Um, I, I mean, mean, look, uh, for, <laughs> for Clark here, right there. if you've had the experience, if you're if you have decided that You've gotten out of this car what you're going to get out of it, and it would cost you another 20K in mods to make it something that would interest you. You know, sell it and move on. And if you can get out of it for what you got into it for, well, that's fabulous. You've done very well. You know, as for 911s, if you've never tried one, try one. They're fun. There's a reason everybody likes them. Yeah. I mean, but I think these everything's are cool going up really now, good. too, so it's hard to measure, like, are these values going up because it's the Z4 M Coupe, or is it just because all collectible cars have risen a ton in the last year? That's right. a hard thing to determine. So I, I think I would err on just have the newer experience if you've had this for a couple of years. Right, and if the value going up means I can now get out of this car for what I got into it is a different attitude of the values going up, therefore it's a collectible asset I should keep, even if... I'm kind of tired of driving it. A car is an annoying thing to keep around between the space, the insurance, the maintenance. If you're not into driving it, fucking get rid of it. And if you want a return on your money, get rid of it and buy stocks or buy, buy a conservative, you know, whatever, Vanguard, mutual fund. You know, you'll make a better return than you will on the car if that's what the point is. You know what I mean? You shouldn't not you shouldn't have a car that you're tired of driving. Because it's an investment. That's mm -hmm. not a good investment, actually. Yeah. Uh, JW says, I recently got a job that has me driving twenty five to 30,000 miles a year up and down I-95. What's the best highway car under thirty five grand, new or used? I currently have a Golf R, but would like something smoother. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Good highway like car. Kristen? Uh, uh, Lexus ES, man. Yeah, I, man, I love like, a point, nice Lexus ES. You are 100% like, you know, on point. It's not the most like, oh, it's not Golf R, but you know, you want something that's a literal couch on the highway? It's that car. I completely agree with you. I mean, I agree with you. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't really have a better option than that unless... If you could find a, the GS... Maybe an F Sport or just maybe the GS. I would recommend the F Sport for a high for ninety five. Ninety five is shitty, straight, bumpy. Oh yeah, just just whatever is, is comfortable, mm. right? Yeah, that, that that won't like blow up in your face. It's reliable. You want it to be working after a while, like or like an Acura yeah. RDX. Mm -hmm. Yeah, A spec, like with the really good stereo. You know, like something yeah. like that. 
You know what I mean? Like a crossover that still gets pretty good fuel economy and has really good seats and a great stereo. Yeah, and whisper like, quiet on the road. Yeah, yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, yeah. Ride quality is what we're looking for here. Or mm-hmm. newer used. I mean, twenty thirty k will get you the nicest Audi Q seven diesel left over, like Ooh. on the planet. True. Or Cayenne diesel. You get a six hundred mile range on one of those. Do Cayenne you want diesels? What? Do you, do you want to fix that though? No. Well, you still there's still as we learned from Joey in my episode of Modified on Haggerty, they are still under extended warranty from the cheating mm. diesel. Wow, the cheating diesel. Wow, still, they all got ten year, hundred thousand mile warranty extensions. Man, so just could, give until it hurts. Okay, right. So you could get a twenty like sixteen that has a warranty until twenty twenty six. What do we have to do to make <laughs> you like us again? What do we have to do? Jeez, yeah, yeah I do that. Okay. Otherwise. Check out my show on Haggerty Modified. We got an episode on uh, the Emotion Overland Cayennes, which is a uh, where they take a cheating diesel Cayenne that's been fixed and they turn it into a beautiful uh, overlanding vehicle. It's very very nice. Uh, Kip wants to know thoughts on long term reliability or value of a 2012 Maserati Gran Turismo MC. Those are two very different questions, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Kristen? So I actually, I am, um, I'm like Instagram buddies with a guy who bought one of these things. Uh, I think he sold it like almost immediately because it was just like things are breaking, like weird electronic things. And I just, reliability and a Maserati, like, I'm so sorry. Why would you ask me that question? It's, and didn't, didn't just, this just chassis this came out like when the iPhone 1 came out? I think Spinelli drove one of these in 2016. And it was the same build, yeah. architecture, everything engine as the first Gran Turismo, which <laughs> yes. came out during the first iPhone. So that that's how right. old this shit is. So, Our yeah, friend Jason so Castriota designed it. Did he really? That guy is so good at designing cars. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, yes. yeah. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Jeez. Jason Castriota is very good at designing cars. He has cars. taste. <laughs> it's a very good looking car. Yeah. So like, Put an LS the GT it. came out. The GT came out in like, what, 2006 or something? I think Bush was still president, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure. <laughs> And like, I, like, I think, ugh, yeah, go ahead. So it started out, I feel like it started out 4.3.5, and like, halfway through, I think they boarded up to 4.7. Like, it got up to 4.7. Yeah. I, the essentially, MC, the MC like, is the, the best one. I yeah. can't believe the MC. Did the MC really come out in 2012? No, the, the Grand Turismo itself came out a long time ago. Uh, I, actually, you make a good point because the MC geez. came out in 2013, according to, oh, no. No, 12. Fuck me. That MC came out nine years ago. <laughs> you could have reviewed it for Hollywood Wheels. Wait, this, it came out. Yeah, in... Hollywood Carville. Yeah. Hollywood Car- yeah. The first MC was out in 09. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right. I mean, look, this is a really thought, old uh... car at this point. Things that are good for it. The engine itself is pretty stout in these things. The, by the 2012, they're using a regular ZF automatic gearbox, so that's good. The bad news is, aside from the styling, almost everything else. We, ha- we have a QP of that era at the shop here, and it's really terrible. <laughs> it's really bad. Like it's not, it's not just bad by ultra-luxury car standards. It's bad by... Like it's bad by the standards of like an Audi A4. 
It's bad by the standards of a BMW 3 Series, and it's like $125,000. Mm-hmm. So, Do you remember like cars from the aughts, like all the gauges inside would kind of be like be like this this green, like have this green matrixy hue to them? Yes. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes. That's what it looks like inside in yes. a new one, like from Still? last year. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I remember yeah. I drove I drove like a GT like MC I think in like twenty seventeen, so like brand new car, and like the gauges in it were from like two thousand five. That's because those like, were the same like, gauges I think as like back in oh nine and ten. Yeah, a lot of the cars because those was, gauges carried over. were from five years ago because that's about how long it takes to like design something and get it into a car. So the 2009 gauges were really from 2002, yeah. and they just kept them until 2017 when I drove the car. <laughs> that's how old they are. I'm, I will say this, that I am excited for their new mid-engine car. The pictures of yeah. it look really cool. I've seen some pictures yeah. of prototypes driving around somewhere. They, it looks pretty cool. The MC20, I'm excited for. Uh, I don't know when we'll get to drive it. I did bug the local Maserati guy about it, but it's got a chance of being cool. It really does. It looks like it could I be cool. I think there's only one. I think there's maybe only one or two prototypes they have because I've also been trying to like find out about it and like they just it's good don't looking. have it. Kind of looks uh, like a baby 918 in some places. It's very MC12 looking, which I very much enjoy about it. Yeah, it's fucking cool. It's got elements of Lotus. It's got elements of Ferrari, elements of Porsche, but it it looks like a Maserati. It's fucking badass. And the prototype I saw had those funky wheels on it that are in this picture. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's see. Dean Stout bought a 2014 Fiesta ST from Auto Tempest. Wants to go to his first mm-hmm. very first track day with it. Is coming from Central Illinois, and has equal drive time to Indy, Chicago, St. Louis, or Bowling Green. I want to have a pro teach me. Where should I go? I don't know much about Midwest race tracks, but I do know that NCM, mm-hmm. the National Corvette Museum track at Bowling Green, is a really, really nice track mm-hmm. for learning. There's a variety of corners and sections. There's good elevation, uh, and it's very safe. And um, I don't know what, what they're doing there in terms of instruction or schooling, but it's a really nice track. You could probably, I think they rent that track out, so if you found an HPDE day, then you, that's a way to get instruction in yeah. your car. That's the, probably the best move to do. Otherwise, what, what else is near there? Like Gingerman near Chicago? G- Gingerman's a two-hour drive when I fly into Chicago. That's in South Haven, Michigan. Right. Um, I don't know where he and I, In is. Central Illinois. I don't know. Kristen, do you know of any racetracks in that part of the country? I'm embarrassed. Uh, no, I, I actually, I'm also embarrassed that I don't know a whole lot about that part of the country. I mean, Autobahn is outside of Chicago. Uh, the pri- it's a good not a semi-private club, that, um, but I don't know. Uh, based on personal experience, go to Bowling Green, yeah. NCM, and, and you while visit, you're there, yep, visit the bourbon. While you're there, you can go to Buffalo Trace and have a fabulous bourbon tasting. Uh, obviously, after the track day, uh, T Yeezy says, "I want to buy a fun SUV crossover that's also a decent drive in the canyons or an occasional track day." Fifty thousand dollar budget. Should I get an SQ5 or a Macan? The companies have been looking Macan. for you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to star in a commercial? <laughs> Macan. Are you a real person? About yeah. To make this purchase? Macan. Like, there's I would no, say Macan. Yeah. There's no other thing that you should buy. Like, I'd buy the nicest, hard. fastest Macan you can buy. You might even be able to get into like a turbo good. for that. Use turbo. Use, yeah. use turbo. Like, it's just pre facelift. It's shockingly good. Yeah. 
Yep, and they'll hold up to abuse. Pads and fluid. Uh, Jonathan Casco says, what's the winning strategy for shift talkers? Multiple winning champ- strategy? Yeah. I guess, how many times have you won? I don't know. You won three, because you and I were on a team, uh, and that was your third win, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just like... Uh, it's so old hat for you, you're like, yeah, that was the third one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember. Like, no, it's not even because of that. It's because like I, I have more concept of time. It's gone now. Um, I guess like the best way to win would be uh, kiss up to Jeff. It's the best way to win. <laughs> and also say things that he wouldn't expect you to say. You know, so he he's like, oh, like uh, what's what's the best track car? You say a nine eleven. It's like, of course, people are gonna say nine eleven. So you got to think of something that's like weird and quirky and also appeals to weirdo auto journalists. So the answer needs to make sense, but also like be a little different. Yeah, you 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 can't just do like mainstream stuff. You can't say like a Winnebago because he's not going to pick that. But what's the line between 9-11 and Winnebago? I don't remember what I did to win. I won when I was on it, but I don't remember what I did. I think you were just your lovely self. I just did better than everybody else. (laughs) I I don't know. I generally don't remember. Uh, Jacob Hoffman says Grand Cherokee SRT versus Alpha Stelvio QV. Fast Those are the family same car. For five. Those are the same car. I'm just kidding. But they kind of are. I mean, they serve the same function in our society. Um, they're, oh, they're, they're from the same Stellantis company. Stellantis. I think the SRT, the naturally aspirated uh, V8 uh, SRT Jeep is like a really, really good vehicle and a really good value for money. Also, like I think the interiors engine. are much nicer than the Alphas, too. Oh, yeah. What was that awesome interior you could get with that? SRT offers some crazy, like, special tanned leather that's, like, very scrumptious and delightful with that Jeep that we got as a press car one year, and it was fucking badass. It I was like real that. cool. That, also, that like, like, orange leather. The really they're putting, good shit. They're putting Hemis in everything, right? So if you go with the Hemi, it's uh, powerful. And it's like, as far as I can tell, reasonably reliable. Like, I haven't read any forum threads where it's like, this engine is terrible. So, no, it's good. Yeah. And, it, and like, if it blows up, just get another one because they're everywhere. True. Whereas the Alpha QV, at least in the sedan, would had plenty of stories of reliability issues. And also that the, the extra money and waste of the Hellcat version of the Jeep doesn't actually get you all that much. Mm-mm. A little better like, zero to 60, a little better quarter mile. But the fuel economy yeah. is like horrible. And it, whereas in the regular one, it's like really not that bad. Yeah. Because yeah. by the way, gas is very expensive. <laughs> okay. Ray hasn't noticed. Yeah. I would get the regular SRT. Uh, Weirenfeld yeah. requests Hoovy again. Yeah, we should, we should look, uh, reach out for him. There's no real reason he hasn't been on. It's just people get busy uh md kaiser says what does fancy Kristen trademark have to think who? about all the seven figure hypercars uh first of all who i don't know her who is that i don't I'm know kidding. <laughs> seven figure hypercars like yeah but i mean i'd have to ask her when she's in but i would assume that like she's for it because anything to set yourself apart from the the poors, the hoi polloi, is good in her book. Can you explain real quick to people who have maybe not read Fancy Kristen's articles what they're about? Because since she's not here. 
Fancy Christian, like, if you know, if you want to peek behind the curtain, Fancy Christian was like this persona that I came up with when I was writing for Jalopnik, which at first started out with like, because of hats or cars, there's always like that weird random couple just like standing there and like looking majestic as, as like decorations. So it started out with just like, here's me on my yacht. And then like the model would move to the kitchen. I'm like, here I am in my kitchen. Uh, you know, like entertaining friends and then like people thought it was funny so I just started <laughs> writing these ridiculous press releases in like first person as if like I was the owner or like I was uh, like a prospective buyer or something and it was a bit of like fun because a lot of car media and other you know money media when they write up like yachts and and like this champagne and everything it's always like a tone of just like oh look at this it's so awesome you know you're gonna have to make this much money to get it and I just got so tired of reading that tone, which is like just this leg humping bullshit of like, oh, look at the this rich brand shit that everyone should want. So I'm like, you know what? Let's let's reject that and instead write from the perspective of the person who owns the shit. And they're gonna tell how fucking poor and worthless you are because it's damn fun. So I just like That's like went like full tilt into that, and like the readers loved it. They were like writing fancy Christian narratives of their own, like fanfic in fanfic. the comments. They, they would like argue with each other like oh you fucking like Prancy Kristen wouldn't just go on a fox hunt she'd go on a fucking tiger hunt like this shows how little you know like they try to like one off one up each other in the comments and I was like that's fucking great you know that's great and it gave me a chance to like you know entertain some people and like be funny and and be a little different so I think it was a it was a pretty big hit um at Jalapnik and also Jalapnik is a place where like you can do that like not a lot of outlets let you do that like a lot of places want you to just like play it straight uh no editorializing which i fundamentally disagree with but you know sometimes that's what they want but you now know you're, but one now of those management places. so now you can make the rules i can make the rules to like a certain extent like i know that we can't say fuck at the drive um which i'm like that's fine that's fine there's plenty of other words um but you know it was like it was it was mostly the, the stories are very like tongue-in-cheek um they weren't regular, so like no one could plan for them. It was just like whenever the inspiration took me, and I was feeling like particularly, you know, obnoxious that day. <laughs> I liked Fancy Kristen a lot. I was a big fan of Fancy Kristen. Fancy Kristen was my fun. favorite. I think my favorite one that I wrote was like, um, I wrote about one where she got thrown out of uh, the concourse elegans during Monterey Car Week. Because like she pulled up in a yacht and like tried to buy all the cars and people were like, you can't. Or she pulled up in a submarine that she bought in a Russian fire sale. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see Operation like, Odessa? It was kind of like that. So she like pulls up. She's like, I can pay cash. Like I have cash. And then people were like, you have to fucking leave. And she's like, I will blow this shit to smithereens. And they're like, no, we've called the navy. And she's like, fine. She goes away. And there was another one where I was making fun of Porsche doing like the turbo exclusive gold like edition or whatever. Oh yeah, the gold. Um, yeah, yeah. Habibi. Yeah. Habibi, you must have gold nine eleven convertible. Only and then, gold. like I was at an event. I was at an event and like a PR person came up to me and was like, I was working at Porsche at the time. That shit was so fucking funny. Like we couldn't say it. But I read that, I was like, the shit is so funny because it's so true. I was like, I'm so glad. Because I know all the PR people read it, and I know I'm just making their job more difficult because they have to be like, "What? What the fuck is this? Like, what are we supposed to do with this?" Yeah. But like, 
I understand that, but it was like for my own entertainment, it was for the entertainment of the readers. So that's really yeah. what some great titles here called I Have Returned from Europe. And then uh, <laughs> the one below it is Fuck, Fuck France. Fuck France. I usually don't are. trouble myself with the legislative <laughs> affairs of whatever puny country I happen to be in. You say yachts are great because uh, they, go, they can take you to private islands where poor people can't go in their cars. Um, <laughs> I have a Lexus yacht and you don't, you pours. Yeah, it's good. It's it's great that you could write from a character. That's probably super fun. Like there there was no, there was no rhyme or reason to it. Like early on, Patrick George, who was the editor in chief of Jalopnik, he's like, do we want to like do like a, like a podcast? I was like, no, absolutely not. No one can hear what she sounds like because it is a hundred percent funnier when you imagine the voice and the tone in your head by Uh yourself, because as soon as like it, it, there's a disagreement, then it's less funny. So True. for me, yeah. she always sounded like she always sounded like Mallory Archer in my head, just like disdainful and like extremely classist. But, you know, she might have sounded different in other people's heads. I don't know. I'm picturing like um, Goldie Hawn in Overboard, the original Overboard Goldie Hawn. You know, there was always like a martini. Really condescending and uh, like like almost like a fake, like everything is dramatic. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like she was super dramatic. There was one week where everyone was writing up that uh, Pagani that someone had like turned sideways and put in their apartment as like a oh, like yeah. a wall divider. Uh-huh. I had like five people email me, be like, "Is this guy in Kristen's apartment?" So I was like, "I guess I have to address this." So the story was just, "Why the fuck did you guys think this was my apartment, you idiots?" <laughs> <laughs> like the whole post was just like, um, "My apartment would have a 1941 Bugatti Royale dividing it, yeah, and not this peasant Zonda." It was like that, but I was just like, um, you think this is my apartment? Like, take a look at this fucking picture. What do you see in it? One Zonda. How many did they make? 24. That's how you can fucking tell. God, even like, God fucking damn it. Like, that's how there it can is, uh, There's a guy on Instagram, I don't remember, but it, they, I just all of a sudden started seeing him pop up at his house. It seems like it's somewhere like, you know, Calabasas or something. His house is like overflowing with hypercars. Like, it's just like the whole drive, every inch of the driveway is, is covered in these fucking things. It's so weird. It's, it's so store weird. outside like that. It's just very strange. Yeah. Very strange. Fancy Kristen should make a comeback for the sure on Pure Sport. The drive should be I have to back. think of it. I have to think. Like, I, I, I got to talk to Kyle. Trump chose the EIC of the drive about that. Because, like, a lot of people are asking for her and like it was just like this dumb thing i wrote to entertain myself and then like yeah but like that's how fun things like start that's how like actual things happen (laughs) a thing i did to entertain myself a thing i did to satisfy my own need guess what Kristen? i needed somewhere to park and look what we've got now (laughs) (laughs) that's true when i made my zach versus zach video i was like I needed to satisfy my my. I needed to talk, have an honest talk to myself about my car and how I treat it, and I just did that, and then it was really really funny. Um, so that's like one of the best things you've made. The Zach vs Zach video is awesome. Uh, let's blast through a couple of these and wrap it up. Kevin wants to know if you change your brake fluid and engine oil after every track day. Uh, couldn't hurt. Certainly couldn't. Yeah, hurt. I think it, could, it couldn't hurt. I don't think it could hurt. Yeah. I think the the longer answer is it depends on the car. If you have, you know, a certain type of vehicle, like let's say you've got a very lightweight Honda Civic, 
you know, your brakes aren't going to get that hot. Your your maybe your engine you start with fresh oil. You could probably get two track days on that. You know, uh, it depends on how hard you're going to run the car. If you really are going to run the car, and every second you know counts, then yeah, sure, couldn't hurt. To but, add to that, if it's just like a dedicated track car and you don't need that car to get to work on Monday, I think it's fine to like not do it right after. But if you sure. like need that car to get your job. Maybe uh, you should check it. And Maybe. This is from experience. The first track day I did at Big Willow, I went in my car. I didn't, I knew like fuck all about it. So I didn't check fluids. I didn't check brakes. I didn't check shit. I didn't even check tread. So I just showed up and they let me drive. They did like the technical inspection and it passed because like I keep up with maintenance on it. And I drove it on the track, spun off. Uh, I fucked up a wheel, but I had my spare with me. And then I drove it back to LA, like 90 miles. And then I just like didn't have it looked over afterwards. I'm like, thank God it was fine. But now knowing what I know, I'm like, don't do that. That's dumb. <laughs> Very dumb. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah. do that. And the he- you know the heavier your car is, right? The bigger and heavier your car is. If it's a Dodge Challenger versus a Miata. You know, the harder your engine's going to have to work, the harder your brakes going to have to work, mm-hmm. and the quicker you're going to go through those consumable fluids. You know, you could probably run a Miata. You know, I we would do endurance racing with a Miata, and we would change the oil after 24 hours of racing. You know, on a track day, you're probably on the track for four hours. You know, and if if I did, if I did 10 laps around a, a, a Road America in a Challenger, I keep using Challenger because it's big and heavy, but let's call it a Challenger. Mm-hmm. I would a thousand percent boil the brake fluid. And once you boil it once, it's fucked. You have to change it. But you could do 10 laps in a Miata and not boil the brake fluid, in which case it's good for a bunch of track days. You know, So it's really about how abusive your car is on consumables and how abusive you as a driver are on consumables as well. Uh, Cole wants to know, <laughs> he's either going to buy a News 996 or Camaro for 25K or going to stretch his budget to 35K, get an Aston and rent it out on Turo in the Coachella. <gasps> Coachella Valley. Is this a bad oh. idea? Yes, it is. Yeah. That's, a bad, that's a very bad idea. Oh, that's not a business. I mean, imagine <laughs> imagine that imagine running a business and in order to make money at the business, you had to have a $35,000 Aston be reliable when handed to other people who have rented it on Turo. In a very hot climate, by the way, in the desert, you know, (laughs) six months a year. That's your baseline requirement. (laughs) Habibi, let me level Mm -hmm. with you. That's a fucking horrible idea. (laughs) That's a horrible idea. Buy what you can afford without having to rent it out. I mean, I've met people because we've rented cars on Turo before. There's a certain type of person for whom that business model works out. I've met folks that have four or five cars, and typically they're all new. You know, I met a guy that had a Tesla Model X and an M5 and an M3 and a Cayman. They were all brand new, and he rented them all out on Turo, and they all, quote, mostly, 
paid for themselves. Meaning, four cars on Turo, he was, and, and having to deal with that, and he was still putting money in at the end of some months. And these are cars that don't, don't break, or if they do break, you don't have to pay to fix them. You know, the idea that if a renter breaks your Aston and you've got to pay it, fix it for your cash, like no warranty, like, boy, no thanks. Now, I wrote up that exact story. Someone was renting out an R8 on Turo Mm. and like the renter put it into a guardrail and then they were stuck in an insurance fight with Turo's insurance company. It was like, it was wrecked. The front end was wrecked. There's that too, you know. Someone could fucking trash your car, and it could end up being a whole a whole thing. Yeah, that's a you bad know? idea. If you're talking about getting a sports car, I just encourage you to get what you can afford, unless you're just really really prepared. Yeah, get for... it. It sounds like I would say get a Camaro based on the things you've listed <laughs> and what your budget is. The Camaro is going to be the most reliable out of all of those cars, the cheapest to maintain, mm-hmm. and you don't have to rent it to pay for it. Because if you're renting an Aston Martin, it's like, that's rear-wheel drive. Someone's going to rent it, turn off traction control, it's going to get crashed. I mean, or it's going to just overheat in the desert. All of that's bad. Camaros idea. work in the desert. Yes, they, they do. do. You could beat the shit out of a Camaro on the hottest fucking day on earth, and it will work. They are Texas tested. I know, tested. I've done it. Mm-hmm. VIR was like 97 <laughs> degrees and 1,000% humidity, and I drove that ZL1 as fucking hard as I could, and it was not a lick over 197. Yeah. Any American awesome. performance car gets a rating like Jeep's trail rated, it's Texas tested. Yeah. It has to work there. Yeah. Except except the C7 Z06. The Z06, yes, of course. Oh, <laughs> Someone always brings up the fucking Z06. The mouth was too small. <laughs> it was too small, couldn't breathe. Uh, someone I saw, they I saw tried to solve this. They in, in L.A. I, I, they were driving a C7 Z06 that had a, a a new bumper on the front of it that had a mouth like the Ferrari FF or a like the 812. Gave it a big old mouth. Probably helped keep it cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, Sidewinder wants to know: Do I have any advice for buying the carbon fiber G-Shock? Oh, I have that watch. The carbon fiber G-Shock is really cool. It's a titanium case with a carbon fiber strap. I got it as a gift from Carl. That's one on the one on the right. Uh, the no, the digital, the full digital, one left in that. Yeah, that's it. And uh, it's it was only sold in Japan. Uh, it's available in uh, some other places. Oh wait, that's all metal, but it looks like that. It's the carbon fiber one, but it looks like that. Anyway, um, what did it, what was the question? Buy it on Amazon or buy it on where? Mm-hmm. I thought he. They're available on Amazon. Just buy it on Amazon. If it, it's a production piece like that, um, I buy like you know brand new Seikos and shit on Amazon like all the time. Because Seiko has an Amazon store, right? Or or G Shock no, probably does too. Yeah, yeah. Or I buy them from like real sellers, but like it's not like there are fake G Shocks, but it's like pretty obvious when one is like fake. It's not like like there's like knockoff G Shocks. It's not like there's like there aren't fraudulent G Shocks. Like you're gonna buy a G Shock and you're, you're gonna get one. It's not it's not like like people ask me all the time though, vintage Seiko on eBay, be very, very careful. There are so much fake garbage and it's not fake, it's Frankenstein. They'll put it. They'll they just mismatch shit, and it's it'll be old parts, but it'll be completely from other watches. And you spend premium money thinking you bought this original vintage piece, and you find out well the hands are from this, and the dial is from this, and this is and it's just a an assembled watch, you know. 
nothing wrong with an assembled watch, but you should pay. If you're assembled. paying for numbers matching, though, exactly. That's yeah, that's right. the thing. Yeah, yeah. And there's no way to check without no having someone like my buddy uh, Nick at DC Vintage Watches is like the bullshit checker of bullshit checkers with Seiko. Uh, last one, Shragi Forty Two. Is there a comfortable luxury hybrid that gets over forty miles per gallon? Besides a Lexus CT200H, or is that the only option in the segment? Well, I reviewed the CT200H. What is the most comfortable car that gets over 40 miles per gallon? Well, Toyota makes the ES Hybrid, which gets over 40 miles per gallon. It's 44 Mm. highway. Or you can get a Camry Hybrid, which gets 53 miles per gallon highway. Both of which, I would say, are much nicer experiences than a CT200, because I did a video on that car. And I don't know what you're spending your money on. It's a Prius, That's a Prius. with a really weird-looking transformer body, and the interior is cramped and small. Uh, yeah. I like At first, I like the CT. Sorry, go ahead, Kristen. You up. I like, I like the CT. It's funky. I like how it looks. It is a, the most yeah. forgettable driving experience. It drives Aww. awful. It does. My sister-in-law has one. It's terrible. <gasps> I talk shit to her face all the time. Uh, I would absolutely rather have a Lexus ES Hybrid or a Camry Hybrid. I don't yeah, know if you totally. can get an ES Hybrid under 40, but a Camry Hybrid would be nice. Camrys are pretty so I know this isn't. I know this isn't under 40, but I have the new E450 recently, the one with the straight six and the EQ boost. Uh-huh. Like, that car is great. It's so great. It's uh, like smooth, 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 straight six, and that little, like, that little uh, EQ boost kind of, like, closes the the whatever torque um turbo Uh lag there might be and i was getting i want to say close to 40 oh it's definitely over 40 i can't remember the exact figure it was definitely i think it was wait hold on was it over 40 i don't remember again like my like memory is is gone but like sure you don't smoke that car was good maybe the um i got 20 i got 24 in my ferrari going to palm springs Downhill? I got 32 driving to Pahrump in my car. Uh, no, you didn't. Did you I really? I swear to God, I reset you got 32 the thing. Miles it was per gallon? cold. And I, I started when I was like at 75 miles per hour, mm-hmm. by tailwind, because on the way back it was like 29. Yeah. That car is very good. That's pretty good. All right. Do you own any cars right now, Kristen? Yeah, I have my C32 still. Oh, yeah, the C32. Mm-hmm. That's a rare mm-hmm. car. You don't see a lot of those around. I don't see them. I don't see them. I've seen two on Bring a Trailer. I think both were silver. Mine is blue. I've not seen a blue one. I've never seen a blue one, ever. That's awesome. Yeah, it's, you, you know I, uh, what you have. My, I know. I know what I have. My fucking garage like scraped the bumper again. I was like, "Do you do this again?" Like, okay, all right. I'm gonna go through the channels and be polite but firm. In that, <laughs> like, hey, so here's pictures of the damage. Uh, what are your next steps in getting this repaired? Nice choice of words. What do they say? Yeah, yeah we'll see. I've like, they've done it so many times now. Like different garages have done it. I've like got the template all down. I'm just like, this is how I. <laughs> You've make got like it a clear script it's ready to go. Responsibility. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, this is your fucking responsibility. I'm also not above dragging it to small claims if they like try any bullshit. Well, there's a kid out here to manual uh, swap those cars. Ooh. The 32s. Oh, now we're talking. Nice. Yeah. That'd be cool. I will say I really like the transmission in that car. It's overbuilt to fuck. And like versions of it are, I think like a version of it is in the SLR McLaren because. Oh, it's the five when speed? The SLR McLaren is, 
Yeah, so five speed because the seven speed, I think, or like at least the dual clutch they were making at the time, like wasn't like beefy enough for the yeah. SLR McLaren. So they so they gave it the fucking five speed. Yeah, and it continued on, uh, and a, a form of it continued on in the um, the sixty fives as well. All the sixty fives yes. for a bit until this until the speed yes. shift uh, seven speed could catch up. Yes, because um, they were just so overbuilt the transmissions. So what is what do you want to plug other than just the drive? I don't. I didn't have. A, I didn't have the second half of that sentence. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. Other, like, uh, other than just the drive, what do you want to plug? Anything specific? No, not really. Um, yeah, just uh, go read the drive. Like my my whole world would be test drives on the right, right there. I edited that uh, Wrangler Rubicon um, review yesterday. Um, but yeah, uh, you should come read the drive, come read my words, follow me on social media. The Twitter is at Kristen Lee. The Instagram, if you, as you've seen below is Kristen my Lee name with, with oh, eight, it 70s, 80s, eight, it's eight. That was the first one that was available to me. <laughs> Are there I also stuck- ones with one, two, three, four, five, six, yep. and seven? Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah. Me. I just kept, I just kept putting in E's until Instagram was like, okay, you can have that one. <laughs> That's so funny. That's like it's, that's what I get for having like one of the most common last names in the world. But you're verified, so at least you got a blue check mark with it. Yeah, I get to like set myself apart that way. I it's like your such... Hot Wheels photography; it's cool. Thank you. I think those are. It was like a mixture of like Auto Art and one of the other companies. Um, that was that was the feature I shot for the Motoring Journal. It was about uh, those four cars because they were cars that my dad bought me when he like I like made clear that I liked cars so he like went out and bought me these model cars uh the good choices you, know. you got a challenge like Chevrolet, there's a vanquish a gallardo and a 911 yes there that's the 996 turbo which uh my dad has always been like into turbos uh like he always liked the porsche turbo so that's the one he got me we have like the nicest 996 turbo on the fucking planet here at WCCS. It has like 10,000 miles on it it smells new God, they're sweet i man. haven't smelled that smell in like 20 years it smells brand new. It's amazing. Your manager has one, and it's sick. He has a 997 Turbo. He does? The one with BBSs on it, oh, it and does. it is sick. Yeah. yeah. Never mind. Uh, there's a, we're very overrepresented with Porsches here at Westside Collector Car Storage. Over a third of the cars that we have in storage are Porsches. I would, I would love to cross a country in a 996. They just they seem like brutes. Seems like a good time. Yeah, very easy. Um, Kristen, we love you. Thank you for doing this. I'm very... I'm, I, <laughs> I'm sad that you weren't here. Can you come back soon, please? Yeah. I want to come see all of the cars. I want to come see you guys. It's been too long. And uh, Zach owes me a gin drinking session. So True. we should also do that. We True. can do that. We have, a, we have a whole room that's just for drinking here. Yeah. And so I built a room... <laughs> It's not getting used that much. Uh, get a lot of model cars. Fly out. Dude, I've got every Back to the Future DeLorean downstairs uh, model. I you could fucking have a whole you could have a whole shoot with that shit. I would love that. And yeah, I got my shot. I got my shot uh, last Saturday. It sucked me up for like a day. But oh, we're, you get we're all good now. You got yeah, one? and then the next day they were like, we're going to pause this. Um, you know, for like blood clots. So like, I'm getting calls from my mom being like, "Please walk around your apartment when you're when you're not working." You got okay. no. You got your video exercise routine. You're fucking good to go. Yeah, you're good. I ran my fucking mouth. That's what I did. That was my exercise. 
Yeah, I got my first one. I got my second one. I got my <laughs> second my one on uh, May one. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Fucking five G, baby. I'm right? about it. Then we can like tele telepath our thoughts. We don't need cell phones or anything anymore. Yeah, I got that. I got the that Moderna shit, and I spent uh, other than spending the second half of the day napping, I was fine. I felt a little weird. Um, Zach, did you get yours? Oh uh, yeah, I had one Moderna. I get the second one after our trip. Yeah, off right, our trip. right when we get back nice. from our trip, pretty much. Yeah. Nice, Full nice, nice. 5G. Uh. That's what I like to see. Yeah, baby. Um, yeah, so good. Please come see us very soon. It would be a long summer without you. I know. I want to come back. I have so many people I need to visit, and you guys are at the top of the list. Yeah, and we have, like, cars and roads and, like, all the shit that people who have your job need is typically uh, in my neighborhood. Yeah, also I want to go get food because you know where all the good food is. Well, this is true. You can always follow a fat man to a good restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> and my kitchen. And we cook. We cook. We, yeah. we cook. We cook. Yeah. Um, Let's do that. Thanks for your time, dude. I'm so proud of your new gig running the fucking show. Um, I know. It's so weird to think about still. My God. It's awesome, though. But that's awesome. And the drive is like a good place. They, they, when I wrote some shit for the drive and I forget exactly what it was, I can't remember right now, but I wrote something and the person. You wrote about the Bugatti Type 35. I, I've written a few things, but that wasn't what I was yeah. talking about. The person I wrote mm -hmm. about didn't like what I had to say and threatened some shit. And the people at the drive went to bat for me and would not take the story down. Which I was about. Oh yeah, no. That was do good. not take stories down unless it's like really, really bad. And like I'm also doing, uh, I'm also in charge of features. So if you want to pitch us something, either mm. of you, mm. email me. Hit mm. your girl up. Oh my god, I could work for you. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I could edit you. You could write me checks. Don't edit me. I'd have a clause, yo. I got a fucking clause. <laughs> I gotta, I gotta I edit some stuff. Final cut. I'm gonna drop 19 f bombs. <laughs> I gotta edit some stuff. No, it's okay. I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not a dickhead about that. Although you know what, my Elva piece in the newest issue of Road and Track, I think, probably because I wrote too much, I gave them like 2,700 words, and I think they wanted 2,200 words or something. And but they edited a lot. They edited more than I'm used to being edited. And when I first read it, I was like, oh, wah wah. But I'm I'm kind of okay with it now. Uh, the 765 LT very... piece, they didn't touch a thing. They didn't change a word. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, nice. Yeah, Which was really like, nice. That's like how I edit. I'm just like, listen, I trust the writers here. I trust that you all have voices, and I don't want to edit that out because that would be doing everyone a disservice. So I think it wouldn't. I think it, whatever they wrote, whatever I wrote, literally wouldn't fit in the magazine. And yeah, that's different. <laughs> and, well, we have no such constraints. I know. It's nice. Internet space is free. I know, but I can't send it to my dad and get the same level. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I can do is I can, I can print it out and send it to him. Yeah, fax it. I'll funny. give you the fax number. <laughs> oh, dude, it's good chilling with you, even if it was from far away. Thanks for coming. Oh, you, you do. Thanks for coming. Go read the drive, everybody. Kristen rules. She's very good at her job. We love her around here. And she's one of a very, very short list of people that A, I enjoy hanging out with on press launches, and B, she's part of an even shorter list of people that I will actually share a car with on press launches. That's a fucking short list. About that six people on earth I'll time. do that with. Yeah. That was a good time. I was like, this man is not going to kill me, and he's got nothing to prove. So that's good. Do you know it, man? Do you know it? I go to therapy. I have nothing to prove. <laughs> 
I'm centered. (laughs) (laughs) No, once you get paid to smoke a particular brand of ganja publicly, there's no more mountaintops. The fucking Tenzing Norgay of podcasting, my friends. (laughs) Bye, Kristen. Bye. Love you all. Kisses. That's our show, everybody. We will see you later. Peace the fuck out.